This is Jocko Podcast number 80. With Echo Charles and me, Jocko Willink. Good evening, Echo. Good evening. Takizo lay among the corpses. There were thousands of them. The whole world's gone crazy, he thought dimly. A man might as well be a dead leaf floating in the autumn breeze. He himself looked like one of the lifeless bodies surrounding him. He tried to raise his head, but could only lift it a few inches from the ground. He couldn't remember ever feeling so weak. How long have I been here, he wondered. Flies came buzzing about his head. He wanted to brush them away, but he couldn't even muster the energy to raise his arm. It was stiff, almost brittle like the rest of his body. I must have been out here for quite a while, he thought, wiggling one finger at a time. Little did he know he was wounded, with two bullets lodged firmly in his thigh. Low, dark clouds shifted ominously across the sky. The night before, sometime between midnight and dawn, a blinding rain had drenched the plain of Segikahara. It was now past noon on the 15th of the ninth month of 1600. Though the typhoon had passed, now and then fresh torrents of rain would fall on the corpses and on Tekizo's upturned face. Each time it came, He'd open and close his mouth like a fish trying to drink in the droplets. It's like the water they wipe a dying man's lips with, he reflected, savoring each bit of moisture. His head was numb, his thoughts the fleeting shadows of delirium. His side had lost. He knew that much. Kobiyawaka Hadiki supposedly an ally, had been secretly in league with the Eastern Army. And when he turned on Ishida Mitsusari's troops at twilight, the tide of the battle turned too. He then attacked the armies of other commanders, Yukida, Shimazu, and Konishi. And the collapse of the Western Army was complete. In only half a day's fighting, the question of who would henceforth rule the country was settled. It was Tokugawa Yasu, the powerful Edo Daimo. Images of his sister and the old villagers floated before his eyes. I'm dying, he thought without a tinge of sadness. Is this what it's really like? He felt drawn to the peace of death, like a child mesmerized by a flame. And that right there is the opening of the novel called Musashi by Iji Yokishawa. And it's a giant novel. And it's about the life of Miyamoto Musashi, the Japanese swordsman from the late 1500s and early 1600s. And he's probably the most famous swordsman from Japan. And I apologize for my pronunciation of Japanese names I'll have to work on that but Musashi 
which is a book we are going to cover. We're not covering it today. We're going to cover it in podcast 100 that was decided upon when Tim Ferriss came on the podcast. We're going to cover the, the novel Musashi. And again, Musashi was a swordsman, probably the most famous Japanese swordsman. He was born into a samurai family around 1584. And there's a lot of questions around his upbringing. But the reports are that his father was a very tough and demanding samurai. And then at some point around age 10, his father was either killed or something else happened and he basically disappeared. Now Musashi fought his first duel at age 13 against a grown man who he killed by throwing him to the ground and then beating him with a bakken, which is basically a wooden sword. And he fought multiple battles defending the Toyotomi clan, which is who he was aligned with. And he continued to fight these duels, amassing more than 60 wins. Now, some of these duels are to the death. Some of them aren't. They, they actually agree upon what they're going to do before they fight. And he won all the ones that he participated in. And his most famous duel was against a guy named Kojiro, also known as Ganyu. And he was the, the biggest rival of Musashi. And they were both at the time when they fought like the most famous and feared swordsmen in Japan. And then after that, he went back. I mean, he was a warrior. So he went back. He continued in combat. He had a few more duels after that. And most of that, his life and, and how that went up until that final duel is portrayed in this book. And it's historical fiction, right? There's not that much truly known about his life. And so this book that's written by Iji Yokishawa, Yoshikawa, sorry, it's it's a huge book. And like I said, we're gonna cover it on podcast 100. And when we cover it, by the way, spoiler alert. Um, that's why we've been telling people since podcast number 50 because the book has one of the most astounding endings hmm. of any book. And this thousand page book, you, it all builds towards this final ending, which is literally on the last two pages. It like the ending happens and then it's over. <laughs> and it's awesome and it's worth it. But before we cover that book, I, I thought it would be smart to cover two things that Musashi actually wrote himself. So after that duel, that famous duel with. Kojiro, he became a retainer for some royals and he was, you know, basically a warrior on staff. And as he got older, he ended up writing the first thing he wrote was a book called The Book of Five Rings, which is really famous. Everybody knows it. It's correctly translated, or an alternative translation is the book of five spheres. And another thing that he wrote was the Dakodo, which one of the translations is the way of walking alone and we'll get to that but first we're going to talk about the book that this famous swordsman actually wrote which is pretty cool mm. when you think about it 
So let's dive in to the Book of Five Rings. Go into the book. I've set my mind on the science of martial arts since my youth long ago. I was 13 years old when I had my first duel. On that occasion, I won over my opponent, a martial artist named Arima Kihi of the new school of accuracy. You like that? You like that new, that's the name of the school? The new school of accuracy. At age, at 16 years of age, I beat a powerful martial artist called Akiyama of the Tajima province. When I was 21, I went to the capital city and met martial artists from all over the country. Although I engaged in numerous duels, never did I fail to attain victory. After that, I traveled from province to province, meeting martial artists of the various schools. Although I dueled more than 60 times, never once did I lose. That all took place between the time I was 13 years old and the time I was 29. When I had passed the age of 30 and reflected on my experiences, I realized that I had not been victorious because of consummate attainment of martial arts. Interesting statement. He's like, I wasn't victorious because of my supreme martial arts. Perhaps it was because I had an inherent skill for the science and had not deviated from natural principles. It may also been due to the shortcomings in the martial arts of other schools. In any case, I subsequently practiced day and night in order to attain an even deeper principle and spontaneously came upon the science of martial arts. I was about 50 years old at that time. So looking back, and I I feel the same way. When I look back at my military career, Mm -hmm. I think of all the things that I could do so much better now. When we wrote, if we wrote, a, if I would have had to write extreme ownership when I was a task unit commander, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have been able to put together because I didn't have all that knowledge. I couldn't see it, mm-hmm. and so I had to actually go through it and then look back and reflect yeah, on it, yeah. and then I understand my my own lessons better, yeah. and they actually become more clear to me. You know, with every day that goes by, I understand uh, a deeper principle mm-hmm. of what I originally thought worked, and I understand them more clearly. Since then I have passed the time with no science into which to inquire, trusting in the advantage of military science as I turned it into the sciences of all arts and skills. I have no teacher in anything. So he's taken what he learned from the military and from martial sciences and he just applies it to everything. He doesn't have any other sciences. Don't need them. (laughs) Yeah. Now in composing this book, I have not borrowed the old sayings of Buddhism or Confucianism nor do I make use of old stories from military records or books on military science. Again, I love this. He doesn't quote other things. He doesn't, he's not pulling quotes and using them. He's just, he's using his own words. Mm. With heaven and, and canon for mirrors, I take up the brush and begin to write at 4 a.m. on the night of the 10th of the 10th month, 1643. I had to include that because clearly he's he's up before the enemy. Even though he's a retired soldier, 50 years old, he's actually he's older than that, 1643. He's quite on a bit. He's up early and he's writing this stuff down. And again, it's amazing. You can sit here and read what he wrote in 1643. Back to the book. Martial arts are the warrior's way of life. 
commanders in particular should practice these arts and soldiers must know this way of life in the present day there are no warriors with certain knowledge of the way of martial arts can you imagine he's saying that when the there's literally samurais in existence mm. in Japan and he's like eh, these guys don't get it imagine what he'd be saying right now today first let us illustrate the idea of a way of life for the physician healing is a way of life a poet teaches the art of poetry others pursue fortune-telling archery or various other arts and crafts people practice the ways to which they are inclined develop individual preferences few people are fond of the martial way of life First of all, the way of the warriors, the way of warriors means familiarity with both cultural and martial arts. Even if they are clumsy at this, individual warriors should strengthen their own martial arts as much as is practical in their circumstances. So he, he does say that a bunch. You've got to be familiar with all, you know, obviously he's focused on martial arts, but you've got to be familiar with the cultural arts as well. Mm-hmm. People usually think that all warriors think about is being ready to die. As far as the way of death is concerned, it is not limited to warriors. Medicants, women, farmers, and even those below them know their duty, are ashamed to neglect it, and resign themselves to death. There is no distinction in this respect. The martial way of life practiced by warriors is based on excelling others in anything and everything. I like that. And that is actually what Uncle Jake in the book Way of the Warrior Kid tells young Mark. What's a warrior? A warrior is the one that's doing his best in everything that he does. Mm. So I'm down with Masashi on that one. Whether by victory in an individual duel or by winning a battle with several people, one thinks of serving the interests of one's employers, of serving one's own interests, of becoming well-known and socially established. This is all possible by the power of martial arts. Yet, there will be people in the world who think that even if you learn martial arts, this will not prove useful when a real need arises. Regarding that concern, The true science of martial arts means practicing them in such a way that they will be useful at any time and teach them in such a way that they will be useful in all things. Clearly, I subscribe to this. Mm -hmm. And that's why Extreme Ownership, the book, we say all the time, it's applications to the battlefield, to business, and to life Life. all 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 the same yeah it's all the same back to the book the field of martial arts is particularly rife with flamboyant showmanship with commercial popularization and profiteering on part of both those who teach the science and those who study it the result of this must be as someone said that amateuristic martial arts are a source of serious wounds. So, do we see this today? Yes, we do. We see it across the board. We see it with 
actual martial arts schools in the modern sense of a martial arts school and we it's that's being beat down a little bit right now right mm-hmm. because because we have MMA we have jiu-jitsu we can actually test and you yeah. can't just run around doing uh, acrobatic kicks yeah. that aren't actually functional yeah or that magic one that they do yeah yeah or the 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 dim mock where you're right, gonna right. like t- I'm gonna touch your neck and you're gonna fall to the ground yeah so that stuff has been pretty pretty crushed by not only by MMA but also by the interwebs yeah, as yeah, yeah. a whole yep. has fought against that remember that website I think it's a lot bullshito oh bullshit yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. legit because they yeah. go through show everyone that's full of crap yeah yeah the bullshito guys they've been yeah. around for a long time too yeah. that website's been around for a long time no Bullsh- I think it's bullshito.com yeah <laughs> and they show everyone that's that's full of crap right yeah Hey, if I I settle my chi and aim my chi at yeah. you, I can knock you out, right? Yeah. And people actually paid money for that stuff. Yeah, and it's crazy how the guys who go to debunk it, those like I've I you see actually more than one where the guys will go to the dojo and be like, hey, I'm a skeptic, you know, yep. do your thing to me and knock me. Down. And the guy will be like, okay, and then they'll they'll follow through with it, let well, them film and everything. Joe Rogan and I were talking about that that situation that just happened in China where the Tai Chi guy went yeah. against an MMA guy and got obviously yeah. got destroyed. Yeah. Because it doesn't work. Yeah, and that's nothing new. There's other no, ones it's nothing like that new. too. And you know what I said on that? I mean, that kind of stuff is I think those kind of martial arts are supposed to be more like yoga, you know? It's yeah. about stretching, it's about movement, it's about proprioception. It's it's fine to do. Yeah. That's cool, but it's not going to stop somebody from doing a double leg on you. Yeah. It's not going to stop somebody no. from throwing a a four yeah. punch combination at your head. Yeah. Yeah, a trained guy who holds one arm and just beats you down with the other. Yeah, and then and then the other part of this is you get the guys that are out there, you know, talking about the mental mindset of the special ops and all that, and it's like mm, they're trying to sell magic, yeah, right? Yeah. Same thing, okay, yeah, same yeah. thing. The flamboyant. This is what you need to do. It's mm. like mm, be tougher. How's that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about you give that one a crack? <laughs> but they want to sell the the flamboyant. What does he say here? Flamboyant showmanship, yeah. and and you know you can sell the 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 you can sell to people's weaknesses, right? You oh, can yeah. sell to, like, like the I'm mystique. Scared. Yeah, the mystique. Yeah, you can yeah. sell the mystique. You can sell to people's weaknesses. You, you know, if you oh, if, remember the old, see, you might not be old enough. Did did you ever read Soldier of Fortune magazine when you were a kid? No, I know what that is. But yeah, no. but, but but when I was a kid, you know, I was interested in war. Yeah, and yeah. So Soldier of Fortune. That's if I could get my hands on a copy, I read it, and there would <laughs> yeah. be things in there, you know, devastating fourteen moves that you learn, yeah. and you will never lose a street fight. <laughs> Yeah. And people Dang. would say, "Yeah, you know, that's cool. I'm going to order this this v- VHS tape sure. that'll have the solutions." <laughs> yeah. And you just, you know, yeah. it's not, <laughs> we'll say it's not applicable. Yes, we'll say that generally not applicable. <laughs> yeah. Now, of course, if you teach someone some aggressive movements that they're going to do, and they're going to memorize those movements, and then they g- do it to a person that doesn't know how to fight. Yeah, untrained. Actually, they will, those movements yeah. can be effective. Yeah. I'm going to punch you in the head 17 times. You know, you come up to me and say, hey, you got a problem, and then I punch you in the head 17 times. Yeah, yeah. With, with no <laughs> warning. Like, that That actually, okay, yeah, it worked. Works, I, yeah. I put the person down, and then I ran away. That's yeah. great, it worked. But yeah. it didn't, it, you know, when somebody came up and squared off to me or, we had a real legitimate situation right. and it's yeah. not going to work. Yeah. Your, your false sense of security is, isn't, isn't going to help you out. Not going to carry you through. No. no. So I think it's very interesting that in f- 1450, you yeah. 
yeah, we're dealing with this. Or what, no, no, sorry, not 1452. 1643, we're dealing with the same stuff. Mm-hmm. Human nature doesn't change. That's true. All right, going back to the book. In regard to the warrior knight, that path involves constructing all sorts of weapons and understanding the various properties of weapons. This is imperative for warriors. Failure to master weaponry and comprehend the specific advantages of each weapon would seem to indicate a lack of cultivation in a member of a warrior house. I will illustrate the science of martial arts by likening it to the way of a carpenter. Now, I think this is important because it's telling you that no matter what your business is, you got to get in the game. You got to know the various tools of the trade, mm-hmm. whether that's the business world, whether that's construction, whether that's no matter what you do, you need to open your mind up. Don't be scared and and study what it is in your craft. And, you know, I'd get these guys, these young SEAL officers and they'd be embarrassed that they didn't know something mm. about a radio, or they'd be embarrassed that they didn't know something about a sniper weapon. And I would just say, look, when you don't know something, you go up to the sniper and you say, hey man, can you get, can you give me a familiarization on that weapon? Or you go up to the radio and say, hey, can you teach me how to program this radio? Because I don't know how to do it. Mm. That's what we're talking about here. Mm. Instead of just ignoring it or pretending or trying to hide from it, get out there and ask them. Mm. And believe me, the sniper and the radio men, they don't look down on you because you said to them, can you show me how to do this? Yeah. They look at you and say, oh, cool. He's humble and he wants to learn. I'm here. Let's mm-hmm. make it happen. Mm-hmm. So now going back to this this idea of the, of the carpenter as an example, back to the book, when sorting out timber for building a house, that which is straight, free from knots, and of good appearance can be used for front pillars. That which has some knots but is straight and strong can be used for rear pillars. That which is somewhat weak yet has no knots and looks good is variously used for door sills, lintels, doors, and screens. That which is knotted and crooked but nevertheless strong is used thoughtfully in consideration of the strength of the various members of the house then the house will last a long time. Even knotted, crooked, and weak timber can be made into scaffolding and later used for firewood. Now, what I like about that is, from a leadership perspective, guess what that means? That means you look at your team and you're gonna have some strong, squared away looking individuals and squared away acting individuals. They're gonna be part of your team and you're gonna have some members of your team that are not so squared away. They got some knots in them and they're a little bit crooked. And what yep. you have to do is you have to learn how are you going to use them? Where are you going to put them? They can still, you might have someone that's strong, a little rough around the edges. They're going to be a supporting pillar, yeah. not the pillar that you're going to put out front, which is the nice clean cut looking individual yeah. who's also sharp. So as a leader, you have to do that. You have to get what you can out of all your, out of all your pieces of wood. I love the idea from a leadership perspective, the idea of looking at it as a, as being a carpenter, because there's a couple different things. Not only do you have to learn how to use these different tools of leadership, so there's all these different tools that you use in leadership, there's all these different ways of communicating with people and and how you interact with people, and you have to learn all those different tools, Mm. but then you have to learn that you need to use the tools differently on different human beings, Mm. because they're gonna take a different reaction to them. And then the different types of human beings actually have individual personalities. So it's exactly like woodworking in the fact that you've got, not only do you have different types of wood, but you also have different types of wood that has individual issues. Like a piece of birch is a lot different than a piece of ipe. Mm -hmm. Ipe is hard, hard wood. 
eBay, I think it has a burn rating that is higher or the same as concrete. Think about that. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Dang. You throw yeah. eBay in the water, it sinks. Dang. I got a yeah. deck made out of eBay. It's awesome. Dang. Just it's it's a very hard wood, but you can't use. You have to use a different tool. You have to use the tool differently than you would with a piece of pine, which is very soft. Mm. And that's the way people are too. That's the way human beings are. You have to know how to use the tools and then you have to learn how to modulate the tools correctly with each individual piece of lumber. Yeah, you see that a lot in like team sports, like in football, for example. You get a guy, he's he he doesn't know how to do anything. You can't teach him. He's, I don't know, whatever. But he has a hard head. You know, yep. and he's just down for the cause. That's it. It's like, dang, seemingly useless. You put him on special teams. Yep. You put him on the kickoff. There you go. And you make him a wedge breaker. Mm-hmm. There you are. Boom. Best wedge breaker in the yep. game. Yeah. Get some. Exactly. Yep. Back to the book. Speaking in terms of carpentry, soldiers sharpen their own tools, make various useful implements, and keep them in their utility boxes. Obviously. Same correlations there back to the book i have written this book in five scrolls entitled earth water fire wind and emptiness and this is the true science cannot be attained just by mastery of swordsmanship alone so you got to get more and i've I, i think it was on the first tim ferris podcast i was on i think he asked me what was the most complicated mission that you did and I was like hey the missions aren't complicated what's complicated is dealing with human beings oh, yeah. that's the hard part that's the hard that. part of leadership yeah it, dealing with shooting a machine gun I mean there's some skill to it but it's infinitely easier than trying to lead men in combat yeah. back to the book the way to do battle is the same whether it is a battle between one individual and another or a battle between one army and another you should observe reflectively with overall awareness of the large picture as well as precise attention to small details. The large scale is easy to see, the small scale is hard to see. To be specific, it is impossible to reverse the direction of a large group of people all at once, while the small scale is hard to know because in the case of an individual there's just one will involved and changes can be made quickly. This should be given careful consideration. So you can see a big group when they're trying to turn. You you can you can know, and but with this one individual, you're not really 100 percent sure what they're thinking. Then he talks a lot about this. He talks about a lot about the elevation and how you have to step back and look at things from different perspectives. And also, I'm going to make this note right now. He's got these little lines at the end of so many of his paragraphs, like this one. This should be given careful consideration. <laughs> he says those kind of things a lot, and I. I'm not going to do all of them, but I'm definitely going to give enough to give the feeling of the book, which is very, it's very instructional mm-hmm. in the way it's talking to you, mm-hmm. which I dig. Back to the book. Um, this is interesting. Back to the book. Unless you really understand others, you can hardly attain your own self-understanding. That's, that's the opposite of what we normally think. We think, oh, I got to know myself first. Mm-hmm. And then I can understand other people. He's saying you got to understand other people, and then you then you get to understand yourself. And I think that's very useful because we should see ourselves in other people. We should look at other people and say, "I know what they're doing. I I do that too." Yeah. Back to the book. In the practice 
of every way of life and every kind of work, there's a state of mind called that of the deviant. Even if you strive diligently on your chosen path day after day, if your heart is not in accord with it, then even if you think you're on a good path from the point of view of the straight and true, this is not a genuine path. If you do not pursue a genuine path to its consummation, then a little bit of crookedness in the mind will later turn into a major warp. Reflect on this. <laughs> right? And that's great advice. And you know what you know what that makes me think of is when people ask me, which they ask me a lot, about joining the military. Hey, you know, I I wanna I wanna join the military, I wanna go in the SEAL teams, I wanna support the country. That's awesome. But you better make sure that you're doing it because it's a true path to your heart. If you're doing it for some other alternative reason, it's not it's gonna be a, a warp that'll show up later. Now yeah. Doing four years, a four-year hitch in the Marine Corps, in the Army, in the Navy, in the Air Force, it's going to be good for you. And it's not like it's a light, permanent lifetime thing, and it'll probably teach you a lot. Mm. But if you're going to do something, you got to remember that you sign that dotted line, and you might be going to war. Yeah. And if you have that, if you're not doing it for the right reasons, you're going to be... You're not going to be a happy person yeah. when you're over in 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 the combat zone. Yeah, man. It's not going to happen. So, stay true to your path and make sure that the path that you're on is is something that you really want to do, something you really want to believe in, yeah. or something that you really believe in. Now, Musashi fought with two swords, a longer sword and a short sword. That was kind of his trademark, and and it's he's I, I think he's credited with creating that form of fighting and both some other samurai carried two swords like a primary and a secondary Mm. but he used two swords simultaneously which is pretty legit (laughs) (laughs) so back to the book the real thing is to practice the science wielding both swords the long sword in one hand and the short sword in the other When your life is on the line, you want to make use of all your tools. No warrior should be willing to die with his swords at his side without having made use of his tools. However, when you hold something with both hands, you cannot wield it freely both right and left. My purpose is to get you used to wielding the long sword with one hand. So know your tools, practice with them, here we go. The long sword seems heavy and unwieldy to everyone at first. But everything is like that when you first take it up. A bow is hard to draw. A halberd is hard to swing. In any case, when you become accustomed to each weapon, you become stronger at the bow and you acquire the ability to wield the long sword. So when you attain the power of the way, it becomes easy to handle. What's that saying? It's saying practice. Mm-hmm. And it's also saying the same thing that one Uncle Jake told young Mark, hey, you're not going to be good at this at first. Of course you can't do pull-ups. You haven't practiced them. Mm -hmm. Of course you don't know your times tables. You haven't practiced them. And it's the same thing in any job that you're in. You have to practice it. It, You're not just born. You're not just born programmed. You have to program your own mind. The work you have to do. Back to the book, in my individual school, one can win with the long sword and one can win with the short sword as well. For this reason, the precise size of the long sword is not fixed. 
the way of my school is the spirit of gaining victory by any means and what I like about this and he talks about this more and I don't know how much of I hit but he's got an open mind even though he's very direct about what he knows works he's also saying hey look this the sword not worried about the length of the sword I'm worried about what works and winning and achieving victory by any means necessary. That's an open mind. Mm. In the martial arts of my individual school, it is the same for one man as it is for 10,000. As far as paths are concerned, and well, before I go on past that, this is why for me, it's very easy to make these correlations because I talk about all the time the the similarities between jujitsu, which is a one-on-one match against another human being, mm-hmm. and being on the battlefield, mm-hmm. and the things that you're doing are the same. You, yeah. you, the, the 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 combat principles don't change. Mm-hmm. You're trying to flank people. You're not trying to attack the hardened targets. You've got to know when to back off. You've got to know when to attack. You got to seize the moments. All those things are the same. Mm-hmm. So Musashi realized this, uh, obviously. Back to the book, as far as paths are concerned, there are Confucians, Buddhists, tea connoisseurs, teachers of etiquette, dancers, and so on. These things do not exist in the way of warriors. But even if they are not your path, if you have wide knowledge of the ways, you encounter them in everything. In any case, as human beings, it is essential for each of us to cultivate and polish our own individual path. Important. And and again, I get questions about life. Mm -hmm. People want to make decisions about their life. Mm -hmm. And the answer is, look, Go out, research, but you need to cultivate your own path. You need to figure out, and you can do that. You need to learn, you need to educate. And I certainly answer all kinds of questions about that. But at the end of the day, the person that's signing the dotted line, the person that's going to you know, drop out of college so they can join the military or drop out of their, uh, uh, sometimes I'll get, hey, you know, I wanna start, I wanna leave this job to start my own business, right? Yeah. Those are the kind of things, they're big decisions. Mm-hmm. And you gotta, you gotta make that. Like, I can't be responsible for that decision. Yeah. That, that I, I can give you some perspective, and my perspective is, you know, for those, you gotta know if you're gonna join the military, you better know yeah. that that's truly what you want to do. For leaving your job that you don't like anymore because you want to start something new, set things up, set up an exit strategy, plan for it, mm-hmm. suck up the job that you don't like while you're saving money, while you're getting a. a a landing place ready mm. and then slowly you know make your transition when it when the time is right yeah don't just get frustrated one day quit yeah and then you're sitting there with no income no way to get anything started uh, then you're desperate yeah and when you're desperate things aren't gonna go well yeah. it's not good to be desperate yeah and you hear that that romantic story where you know this guy did that you know, yeah. he was tired of his job, so he just up and quit, and then he got desperate, and he yeah, bounced well, back, and all this stuff. Yeah, and what's that bias that you get where the only people that you yeah. hear about are the ones that actually pulled it off? Availability, yeah. Yeah, availability bias. Yeah. So that's what happens. We only hear about this guy right. that quit his job and started this thing in his garage, and now he's a billionaire. Yeah, That's yeah. cool, but there's a lot of people that never made it out the garage. <laughs> <Yeah>. Still there. <laughs> they yeah. ended up at, you know, a job they didn't yeah. want, or, even worse. 
Yeah, or went back the next week begging for their job back, yeah. and uh, they got a small demotion, and you know, whatever. Back to the book. In distinguishing the advantages of the tools of warriors, we find that whatever the weapon, there is a time and a situation in which is it, it is appropriate. Absolutely. Listen to this. You should not have any special fondness for a particular weapon or anything else for that matter. Ooh, dang. Too much is the same as not enough. To entertain likes and dislikes is bad for both commanders and soldiers. Pragmatic thinking is essential. I mean, just just insert that, open your brain and put that in there. So often we get the little likes and dislikes. You know what? We're, you know what a pet peeve of mine is? What the word pet peeve? <laughs> that 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 bothers me. Yeah. <laughs> and there's nothing. You know, I I was saw Charlie Plum last this past week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was telling him about that. Th- one of the biggest things that I took away from sitting and talking to him was that whole idea that if you do something that annoys me. Mm-hmm. It's my fault. Yeah, yeah. It's my fault for being annoyed. No, no, it's my fault for being annoyed, and I need to get fixed. Yeah. So if I have a pet peeve that Echo fiddles his pen around, that's not your fault. (laughs) That's my fault. I need to get over it. Yeah. As long as the pen's not clicking. If it's clicking, then it's our problem. Right, that's... But but that's so important. And and to to think about this, we do. We have... We have... We we, we like things. And you know what we generally like? What we're good at. Yeah. Right. Think about jujitsu. Yeah. What? What do I? What am I? I'm so guilty of this. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I submitted 14 people today. Come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. <laughs> all of them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or guillotine, guillotine. Right. Yeah. I don't open my brain up enough. Yeah. Guard past one side only. Yeah. Guard past one side only. Yeah. That's that we. I gotta break that. Yeah. I gotta get more. I gotta get less fondness Bro, for particular weapons. That's such good. It's because almost because it's so hard. That's such good advice. Oh, yeah, you know? it's so hard. I mean, think about everything. Even like you know, you probably have your favorite gun. You have your favorite everything. Really, yeah. I prefer yeah. the. I prefer gi. I prefer no gi. I prefer this gun. I prefer the. You know. Yeah. Dang. Got to be careful of that. Yeah, yeah. Pragmatic thinking is essential. Now, here we go. Back to the book. Rhythm. Is something that exists in everything but the rhythms of martial arts in particular are difficult to master without practice harmony and disharmony and rhythm occur in every walk of life it is imperative to distinguish carefully between the rhythms of flourishing and the rhythms of decline in every single thing The way to win in a battle, according to military science, is to know the rhythms of specific of the specific opponents and use rhythms that your opponents do not expect, producing formless rhythms from rhythms of wisdom. And this is just so classic. And you think about it on the battlefield, this is what maneuver warfare is right this is tempo they talk about it in terms of tempo when brian stan was on he's talking about maintaining that tempo and then what you need to do is you need to maintain the faster tempo than your enemy can maintain and when you can maintain that tempo or you disrupt the tempo or you disrupt their tempo that's how you're going to achieve victory obviously it's the same thing in jujitsu i i'm keeping you you know i'm pressing one side pressing one side pressing one side boom i disrupt i go the other side i just passed your guard yeah 
I break your tempo. And even in basketball or soccer, that ch- soccer that change your pace. Mm-hmm. You know, you come down the field going at a certain speed, then you speed up, slow down, slow, and you change that tempo. That's yeah. how you. That's how you pass. Yep, boxing too. You know, the whole, whole idea of a counter punch yep. is <laughs> that. Yeah. What did Salo Salo Ribeiro has this really famous saying? He said, um, "It's about being late." You know. Mm-hmm. So, like, if someone basically out temples you or out um, or disrupts your pattern, and then now you have to catch up right. when you're late. He Oof. says, "When you're late, you muscle. When you muscle, you you tire, and when you tire, you die." <laughs> I might have missed one, but I think that's it. Those, those are good. those are pretty straightforward. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. know what you would have missed because that's true. <laughs> when you when you get someone off tempo, it's or when someone has me off tempo. Ugh. Because now you're chasing them. You're trying to hang on and things are happening and you don't know it. Yeah, and if he he does that thing where he keeps the pace and Mm -hmm. and you, man, he just, it's like he's pulling ahead, pulling ahead until you're like, until you die. Yeah, until you die. (laughs) Check. Here we go. Just straight breaking it down right here. Back to the book. For people who want to learn my military science, there are rules for learning the art. One think of what is right and true Two, practice and cultivate the science three become acquainted with the arts four know the principles of the crafts five understand the harm and benefit in everything six learn to see everything accurately seven Become aware of what is not obvious. Eight, be careful even in small matters. Nine, do not do anything useless. <laughs> if we could, if everyone could just do nine, not do anything <laughs> useless, Yeah. think about that. Yeah. Think about how powerful that is. Think how much useless stuff that we do, and oh, it's yeah. useless. It's not helping us. Yeah, that's what we were talking about, um, I don't know, maybe last time in time, was it? few weeks ago about distraction that's really what it is yep. distraction it's useless but stop those the other the other a couple of these understand the harm and benefit of everything learn to see everything accurately become aware of not ob- what is not obvious those to me are all about detachment you've got to be able to detach from what's going on to be able to see things accurately mm. you've got to be able to detach to be able to see the harm and benefit in things you've got to be able to detach to be able to see what's not obvious mm. and the more caught up you are in your head or in the chaos in the situation the more you're gonna miss those important factors right there mm. back to the book first of all keep martial arts on your mind and work diligently in a straightforward manner then you can win with your hands and you can defeat people by seeing with your eyes furthermore when you refine your practice to the point where you can attain freedom of the whole body then you can overcome people by means of your body and since your mind is trained in this science you can also overcome people by means of mind when you reach this point how could you be defeated by others so he's talking about you need to refine your practice to the point where you get freedom. I think I might have said something along those lines, right? <laughs> yeah, Discipline so. equals freedom all yeah. day long. Yeah. All day long. Refine your practice until you attain freedom. Think about that. Practice until you get free. Yeah. You don't just expect freedom. You don't get freedom by acting free. No, you get freedom by discipline. Yeah. So like 
jujitsu, for example, right? You know how when you're a white belt, brand new, they teach you the move. Here's the mm. move. Here's the step one, step two, step three. You practice that enough times along with all the other moves. Now you're just jumping in there and flying. The moves are flying, you know, just going on almost automatically. Right. You know? You're just free to do whatever move at yeah. whatever time you want. It's the exact same thing on the battlefield. Yeah. You drill drills and you become your team, your platoon, your squad becomes so fluid with them that they can adapt and they can change them because that's the, what we're really talking about. They have the freedom to move. They have yeah. the free they know the rules so intuitively that they become just part of the way they act as humans. Yeah. It's like when you have you ever been showing a move in jiu-jitsu or someone's been showing a move on you, right? Like let's say you're going to you're going to show the 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 guillotine on me. And so you you pull me over and you you shuck me down and as you shuck me down I counter it, like not in not in not on purpose because I know right. you're just trying to show the move. Yeah, but yeah. I like automatically like turn my head, grab yeah, your arm, yeah. and I'm just like, oh, I can't do that right now. I can't counter the move. But that that's not my that's not my brain doing that. Yeah, yeah. that's pure <laughs> instinct, right? Pure yeah. instinct. It's almost like you have to consciously not. You have do to it. consciously not do it. Yeah. And then after you consciously not do it five times, the example you got to like drill it three more times just to make sure you're good <laughs> to go. <laughs> Here we go, back to the book. It is by no means possible for me to write down this science precisely as I understand it in my heart. So what that means to me is what I talk about a lot is that we look at different sources for the same information. We want to know about human nature. We want to know about leadership. We want to know about war. No one has the ability to just get it right. So that's why we come at it from different angles. That's what we do. Just like in jujitsu, when you learn an arm lock from Jeff Glover and you learn an arm lock from Dean Lister, they're going to get, you know, uh, Jeff Glover will give you 82 points of performance. Mm -hmm. Dean Lister will give you 82 points of performance. 73 of them are overlapping, Mm -hmm. but there's some nine. Mm-hmm. That are a little bit different, yeah, and that's true. the that's where you make up. And yep. some of it's going to work. You know, some of Glover's stuff's going to work a little bit better for me than it is for you. But then some of Dean's stuff's going to work better for you than me. But then some of those we're actually going to combine what both of them say, and we're going to end up instead of eighty-two points performance, we're going to end up with a hundred and sixteen. And now our unlocks a little bit better. Yeah. This is. Yeah, so here we go. Pay attention. The science of martial arts is not just a matter of reading these writings. Taking what is written here personally, do not think you are reading or learning and do not make up an imitation. Taking the principles as if they were discovered from your own mind. Identify with them constantly and work on them carefully. This is so critical and it's like I say on the podcast for a while at the end of the podcast I was saying don't just listen yeah. do because just listening doesn't help you mm-hmm. you have to go more than listen he's saying you have to do more than just read and it's interesting you know we get people that are really into either podcast they read the book and I talk to them you know we have clients that brought us on to help their company and they love extreme ownership and they are they feel like they're fully on board and understand the principles and all that and then you get in there and you start talking to them about what they're doing and they're missing them and it's because they don't detach they look they're looking out at everyone else Mm -hmm. they're not they're not looking at themselves and and it's 
it's hard mm-hmm. because they read them, right? They listen, yep. but they, they don't know what do. to do. They know what to do, but, but they, they got to do it. Yeah. So that's hard. That's detachment comes becomes important there too. To detach from yourself and actually think about what you're doing mm-hmm. is very hard. Mm-hmm. And without doing just that. You won't be successful. And I like how he says you take these ideas and make them like as if they were discovered in your own brain. How do you apply them to your life? That's one of the things that's so good about the muster is because with the interaction, it's it can be hard for people to birth these ideas from their own mind. Like to take the seed that comes from extreme ownership or comes from the podcast to take that seed and 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 plant it and have it grow it can be hard to do that they mm-hmm. they, they look at the seed they hold the seed as sacred yeah, yeah. right mm-hmm. but they're not putting it in there and letting it grow and watering it when you come to the muster what's cool about it is you're you you get you get to ask the question and say hey what's going on with this explain yeah. this to me and then we get to give our perspective and now we make a connection now that seed gets a little little water on it a little yeah, fertilizer yeah. and yeah. starts to grow Mm-hmm. And and also we you get pulled out of your own head mm-hmm. because when you hear f- three other people's questions yeah. that are similar to what you're doing and then but again you can't just listen to someone else's question and go oh I see the answer to that yeah. you have to say wait a second what how does that answer apply to me yeah. it's a big deal yep back to the book in the science of martial arts the state of oh man this is Here we go. In the science of martial arts, the state of mind should remain the same as normal. In ordinary circumstances, as well as when practicing martial arts, let there be no change at all. With the mind open and direct, neither tense nor lax, centering the mind so that there is no imbalance. Calmly relax your mind and savor this moment of ease thoroughly so that the relaxation does not stop its relaxation even for an instant. So you want to remain calm. So I used to, I'm going to put myself on report here. Mm-hmm. So I used to play this game with my kids. Sure. I would take the, the inside of wrapping paper, you yeah. get that sword. It's like a cardboard sword. It's like a cardboard tube. tube. It's like a giant toilet tissue tube, right? (laughs) And I used to play this game with my kids. It was called Normal Face. And I would line them up. And you had to keep your face totally normal. No expression. Mm -hmm. Not a smile, not a laugh. If you didn't have a normal face, you would get cracked with the tube. (laughs) (laughs) And so all my kids would line up and they would just get the most blank expression on their Mm -hmm. face. And I would, you know, I'd do something to try and make them laugh or try and make them um, startle. Get yeah, scared. Yeah. What's that? What's that word? When you flinch, I try and make them flinch. Like I might swing at them and they flinch. Yeah. And now, oh, you just earned. Even if you <laughs> flinch, like I was gonna crack you. Right. And now you flinch. Now you get a crack because you, you flinched. And it was it was a lot of fun because the kids. Because <laughs> once you crack, you know, one kid, then the other two kids laugh. Crack, crack. Right. We would line them up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's good. But my goal in that, besides have fun with the family, you know, because head trauma and all that can be very fun for the family. Just sure. kidding. There's no head trauma happening. No. But. It was fun to play and the kids would laugh, but also get them to control their emotions, right? Mm-hmm. You get them to not be so readable to mm-hmm. everyone. Get them to control their emotions, get them to relax. So you gotta play normal face with your kids sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's good. Jocko's version. It's good. Holiday I, fun. When you, when you see a kid in a frustrating situation and they've got normal face, you know you're impressed, Dang, right? Yeah, right? Yeah, it's good. Right? Yep. Even when you see an adult in that situation, yeah, you see totally. some pressure going on and they got the normal face, Dang. just yeah, looking at them, yeah, like, okay. Oh, you're, you're screaming and yelling? Cool, normal face over here. Yeah. Who do you guys want to follow? Normal, normal face guy face. or freak out guy over there? <laughs> no. No, not freak out guy. So, yeah, child services... You know you can come and get me, <laughs> <laughs> but that's what those tube things are kind of for. Yeah, in a way, no, of course, you know? they're made to crack your kids in the head with them and yeah. have fun. Some kind of a cracking device. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, they're just so perfect. Yeah. No, you know what's more perfect than them is you can get the foam. You can get the foam. They, they, you, you use them to cover hot pipes in your house. Yeah, yeah. And it's just little foam tubes. Yeah. Those things are the best <laughs> because you, I could literally hit you as hard as I possibly could, and it doesn't even hurt at all. But it makes yeah. a cool noise. <laughs> sure, I used to yeah, make yeah. swords with those things. I used to put a little PVC, PVC pipe at the end of it, but not the whole thing because that PVC pipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's that, that, that. No, that's not, not kind of painful. <laughs> that's that's injuries. Yes, but you just put enough of that so you have a handle. So just the hand, sure. and then you have this little p the that foam and you can my wife the first time she saw us doing it my wife freaked out I'm in there I'm wailing on my kids because you're doing full barbarian like overhead smashes with these swords as hard as you possibly can and it doesn't hurt at all at all those are good too because it does make a little crack noise yeah yeah they're for the effect yeah kind of flimsy though no, that's the thing. They're surprisingly, they're not rigid. flimsy. They're Dang. surprisingly rigid. Dang. That's okay. why they're so effective for I'm the normal face that game. That's <laughs> as normal face advanced. Sure, yeah. You know, because you, you don't have that many wrapping paper tubes. So I'm like, okay, we need an alternate here. We need <laughs> sure. an alternative. Yeah. We need to keep this going. Yeah, go to the basement. Yeah. Get those pipe covers. <laughs> not with the Home Depot and bought them. <laughs> well, I was doing a project at my house, and then I had that left over. Yeah. And, of, of course, I'm looking at it, tube. I'm thinking sword. I'm yeah. thinking normal face. Let's get it on. <laughs> <laughs> and I've discovered a perfect a perfect play weapon. There you go. Boom. Back to the book. Once you have sharpened your intellect to the point where you can see whatever in the world is true or not, where you can tell whatever is good or bad, and when you are experienced in various fields and are capable of being fooled are incapable of being fooled at all by people of the world, then your mind will become imbued with the knowledge and wisdom of the art of war. Isn't that interesting? Can you hear about how you get infused with the knowledge of the art of war? It's by understanding people. That's how you get there. That's how you get there. Back to the book, there is something special about the knowledge of the art of war. It is imperative to master the principles of the art of war and learn to be unmoved in mind, even in the heat of battle. Normal face. Generally speaking, it is essential to make your ordinary bearing the bearing you use in martial arts and make the bearing you use in martial arts your ordinary bearing. This should be given careful consideration. So, you're normal, you should be normal all the time. That's how you should be. Whether you're fighting, whether you're in combat, or whether you're at dinner. Hmm. Keep it ordinary, keep it normal. 
He's talking here about the focus of the eyes. A specialty of martial arts is to see that which is far away closely and to see that which is nearby from a distance. Mm, you gotta have that perspective. That's why you don't get drawn into, like when, you're, when your platoon's got a mission, you don't draw, get in the planning with them. Because mm-hmm. then you, you'll be so close that you can't see what it looks like from far away. In martial arts, it is important to be aware of opponents' swords and yet not look at the opponent's swords at all. This takes work. This matter of focusing the eyes is the same in both small and large-scale military science. It is essential to see both sides without moving the eyeballs. So you got to work that peripheral vision. Again, officer candidate school. You can't look at your food. We didn't know why they made us do that. We thought it was just torture. You can't look at your food while you're eating. You got to look straight ahead. So why would they make you do that? So you improve your peripheral vision. You cannot look at your food. Try it sometime. Yeah. You have to develop your peripheral vision. And this idea of both large and small scale military science being able to see that which is far away closely and that which is close from a distance. That's detachment. Mm-hmm. You're embroiled in that thing that's close to you. You've got to detach from it so you can see what it looks like. And the thing that's far away, you've got to get into it. You ever hear two people debating or something? Not professional debaters or nothing, but they're arguing a point. You know, one mm-hmm. guy's point versus the other guy's point. And with debate, a lot of time comes interruption. You know, like you're saying, so, and I interrupt you, right? And then every once in a while you'll notice one person say, hey, can I finish? You know, you keep interrupting mm-hmm. me. And then another guy might say, well, I'm just saying you got to And slowly that debate of the two important issues Escalates. gets pu- pushed to the side, actually. And the debate becomes whether or not they justified or just justifiably interrupted the other person. So it's now about the interruption. That's like, you know, how you say don't focus in on these little details that come come about in a in a big situation. Yeah. You know? Well, what's really crazy is they have news programs. I'll see like a clip of a news program and it's basically three or four panelists all talking at the same time. Yeah. It's the most ridiculous thing <laughs> yeah. ever. Yeah. That's another thing. I think it was Joe Rogan was, was saying, you know, we were talking about podcasts themselves. Yeah. He he was saying the news people need to learn from podcasts Yeah, that you don't need to have people on for four minutes, three people, four people, five person panel. They're all yeah. talking at the same time. Yeah. They're all looking to get that big zinger yeah. po- you know, point across <laughs> that they pre-planned and yeah. then they try and drop it. It's just garbage. It's yeah. just garbage. Listen to a listen to a two and a half hour podcast about a subject so you can hear people's actual knowledgeable and thoughtful comments about it. Yeah. That to me makes a lot more sense. Yeah, even on those four minute deals where there's four or five people on there, even if they don't interrupt each other or talk over each other, like one person can talk for what? A minute? Yeah. About no, it's weird. I've done thing? you know, I've done a decent amount of uh, of television interviews. And it's even when you're in it, it's it's even shorter than it seems like yeah. when you're watching it, because yeah. you know you have you just have to say whatever it is you're going to say, you just got to say it in one, maybe two, maybe three sentences. Yeah, yeah, and that's how they get you too. Like if there's, let's say, if it's like a, a sided issue, you know, you say the one, and there's so many details and nuance to it, you know. But man, I got to get my the, my core point across. Meanwhile, yeah. there's all this nuance. You and know? do you think that the news? companies are doing that because people's attention spans have gotten so short 
that they just think, oh, that's the best way we can do this is just put the, mm-hmm. hey, we put them on there for four minutes. If someone doesn't like this subject, they'll got someone else coming on and, you know, in four minutes later after the commercial break. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I think it a lot of time has to do with just the show is just a certain yeah, But I think, th- I think that is what they're trying to do. I think they know attention spans are short. But I also think that attention spans have been so coddled now that people actually want the long format. That's why I think podcasts... As uh, in general, yeah. are doing really well yeah. because people don't people want to get engaged and listen to an actual opinion, yeah, or thoroughly. or not even an opinion, but facts or yeah, it's an opinion or facts. They want to listen to a full thought, yeah. right? A full, full a fully encompassed thought about something, yeah, not one liner zinger. Hey, I got you. Yeah, boring. Can't yeah. bear, I can't watch it anymore. Yeah, sometimes when you're watching surfing, sure, you want to see a guy shred, you know, for a second or two or whatever, but sometimes you just want to sit back and watch the waves. That's true, I guess, yeah. All day. Well, it is true that you, if you watch a surf movie, a real, a, the better surf movies, they have, you know, they show the guys in the morning. They're getting in the car. You're kind of with them. Right? Right, right, as opposed to just boom, it hits you. You know, yeah. hit the lip, hit the lip, hit the lip, get barreled, get barreled, get barreled. <laughs> exactly. Like those are those are cool, you know. Yeah, but man. but what do you if you want to? I and I think a lot of people they want to sit down. They want to see these guys shaping boards. Sure. You know, Let's morning of the earth, they're shaping boards. They're you're shaping boards, and then they're going out and surfing the board that they shaped in the morning. They okay. shape it, glass Steve. and go out and surf it, come back, adjust the fin. Make a little. Let's shave the fin down. That's that's pretty cool to watch. Yep. Is it cool to watch people do three sixties and five forties? Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. But I want something a little bit more developed. Yep. That's actually the key right there. Something developed. Yeah. You know, you can't just like you can't watch a shape someone doing the same shape for a long time. You want to see the full developed thought, like how you put it. Yes. You watch yes. North Shore. Ever watch that show? Yeah, you watch that <laughs> show. Was that a TV show? No, it was, well, a, movie. It was, it was a movie. Okay, it was a movie. Then there was a TV sh- this show. This is about the, 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 the Arizona surf. Yeah, yeah. He was, it was a surf, a surf tank or whatever. And yeah, Arizona wins. Rick Kane goes to North Shore, Oahu, Hawaii. You know, learns to surf all over again. Technically, <laughs> you know, big waves, the culture, all this stuff. You know, not as accurate as maybe it could have been, but a fun watch nonetheless. <laughs> We'll have to just cue that one up. I think my son sure. watches that when they get all the funny lines out of it. Yeah, man. Turtle. Dope. <laughs> I'll take your word for it on that <laughs> one. All right. Back to the book. In wielding the long sword. Oh, this is good. In wielding the long sword, the thumb and forefinger grip lightly. The middle finger grips neither tightly nor loosely, while the fourth and little fingers grip tightly. There should be no slackness in the hand. The long sword should be taken up with the thought that it is something for killing opponents. Let there be no change in your grip even when slashing opponents. Make your grip such that your hand does not flinch. When you strike an opponent's sword, block it or pin it down, your thumb and forefinger alone should change somewhat, but in any case, you should grip your sword with the thought of killing your grip when cutting something to test your blade and your grip when slashing in combat should be no different gripping the sword as you would to kill a man generally speaking fixation and binding 
are to be avoided in both the sword and the hand fixation is the way to death fluidity is the way to life this is something that should be well understood so not only you have normal face and normal bearing your grip has got to remain the same no yeah. matter what you train how you fight you're just maintaining the same grip and then this idea of fixing and binding and being stationary and stagnant is mm-hmm. the way to death yeah. and being fluid and open in the mind and in the way you present and the way you fight that's the way to life is that you know how like Tim Kennedy mentioned dry fire yeah you know it's kind of the same deal same right so it's thing. like you're pulling the trigger the same way the or whether or not way. there's gonna be you know recoil the same or not. way yeah the same way and actually when you're shooting they'll do this when they're training us to shoot will they'll put a dummy round in our magazine that's yeah. not and so then they can see if you made some reaction yeah. predicting or awaiting the kick of the gun, yeah. it, that's what throws your rounds off. So they'll put a dummy round in there and they'll be watching you click, 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 or boom, 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 and then click, you jerk your trigger, yeah, yeah. and everyone knows that you just made a mistake and yeah. they can see it. Man, that's hard. Yeah, it is. It you is. get good at that. But you get you good at that one. Dope. <laughs> <laughs> now this is interesting. He goes through what he calls the five kinds of guard, and I looked at this guard is is basically the way you kind of position yourself and he talks about the different types of guard that there are the first technique the the second the third the fourth the fifth these are the different techniques and they're all different positions that you hold the sword and where you prepare for your attack and when he gets to the philosophical part of it though on the teaching of having a position without a position Having a position without a position or a guard without a guard means that the long sword is not supposed to be kept in a fixed position. Nevertheless, since there are five ways of placing the sword, the guard positions must follow along. Where you hold your sword depends on your relationship to the opponent, depends on the place, and must conform to the situation. Wherever you hold it, the idea is to hold it so that it will be easy to kill the opponent. Sometimes the upper guard position is lowered a bit so that it may becomes the middle position while the middle guard position may be elevated a bit depending on the advantage thereof so that it becomes the upper position. At times the lower guard position is also raised a bit to become the middle position. The the two-sided guard positions may be moved somewhat toward the center depending on where you are standing vis-a-vis your opponent resulting in either the middle or the lower guard position. In this way, the principle is to have a guard position without a position. First of all, when you take up the sword, in any case, the idea is to kill the opponent. Even though you may catch, hit, or block an opponent's slashing sword, or tie it up, or obstruct it, all of these moves are opportunities for cutting down the opponent. So he's not trapped in this rigid mindset that this is what I have to do. He's open-minded, he's flexible. Now here we go. This must be understood. If you think of catching, think of hitting, think of blocking, think of tying up, or think of obstructing, you will thereby become unable to make the kill. It is crucial to think of everything as an opportunity to kill. This should be given careful consideration. 
So he's saying if you're if you're thinking defensively, that's what you're thinking about. Mm. When you actually need to be thinking about being offensive, even when you're defending, you need to be thinking about being offensive. Mm. Back to the book. In large scale military science, the array of troops, the arraying of troops is also a matter of positioning. Every instance thereof is an opportunity to win in war. Fixation is bad. This should be worked out thoroughly. Striking down an opponent in a single beat. Among the rhythms used to strike an opponent, there is what is called a single beat. Finding a position where you can reach the opponent, realizing when the opponent has not yet determined what to do, you strike directly as fast as possible without moving your body or fixing your attention. The stroke with which you strike an opponent before he has thought of whether to pull back, parry, or strike is called a single beat. So that's, you, you can see that the opponent's not quite prepared. They're kind of indecisive. You can see it. Boom. Be decisive. Make something happen. Go for the kill. Mm. The rhythm of the second spring. The rhythm of the second spring is when you're about to strike and the opponent quickly pulls back or parries. You faint a blow and then strike the opponent as he relaxes after tensing. This is the stroke of the second spring. So again, we see these all the time in in jiu-jitsu, we see it in everything. The sticky body means getting inside and sticking fast to an opponent. When you get inside the opponent's defenses, you stick tight with your head, body, and legs. The average person's, the average person gets his head and legs in quickly but the body shrinks back sticking to an opponent means that you stick so close that there are no gaps between your bodies this should be investigated carefully (laughs) and what's really interesting about this and of course these are both two different languages being translated but when the Chechens fought the Russians in Chechnya one of the things that the Chechens did was they called it this this sticky they, they stuck to the Russians so the Russians had air support the Russians had artillery and the only way to negate that or mitigate it for the Chechens was to get so close to the Russians that they couldn't use their own air, superior air power yeah. and it's the same thing with jiu-jitsu I mean obviously a grappler is gonna get close so that they can avoid the strikes of a, of a striker yeah. doesn't matter a stand against many opponents discerning the order in which opponents attack deal with those who press forward first keeping an eye on the whole picture determining the stands from which opponents launch their attack swinging both swords at the same time without mutual interference interference it is wrong to wait prioritize and execute you got multiple people coming after you or you're being attacked on multiple fronts you need to prioritize and execute Advantage in dueling means understanding how to win using the longsword according to the laws of martial arts. This cannot be written down in detail. One must realize how to win by practice. Study carefully. <laughs> so again, you're not going to get it just by reading. You're not going to get it just by listening. You got to do it. You got to practice it. Thinking unhurriedly, understanding that it is the duty of warriors to practice this science determine that today you will overcome yourself of the day before tomorrow you will win over those of lesser skill and later you will win over those of greater skill 
practice this is something that requires thorough examination with a thousand days of practice for training and 10,000 days of practice for refinement get it on as far as my military science is concerned I have discerned the principles of living and dying through numerous duels in which I set my life on the line learning the science of the sword getting to know the strength and weaknesses of opponents sword blows comprehending the uses of blade and ridge of the sword and practicing how to kill opponents in the course of doing this little sissy things never even occurred to me especially when one is in full combat gear one does not think of small things I thought that might be worth noting yes don't be thinking about the little sissy things now he's talking about here the physical situation meaning what's going on in discerning the lay of the physical situation there is what is known as positioning yourself with the Sun at your back this also applies indoors so general ideas you want to make sure that you put the Sun behind you so that it's hard to see you now what you have to be careful is today live real military scenarios you got to be careful that you're not silhouetting yourself so at nighttime you get on a ridge line or you get light behind you it can be easier to see you unless it's a bright blinding light and then it becomes efficient so there's a big difference between a bright blinding light and silhouetting yourself so be careful of that back to the book in order to look down on the enemy understand that you should take your stand on the highest ground even if it's only slightly elevated take the high ground or the high ground's going to take you 1643 same same thing that i was teaching in 2009 take the high ground when you get opponents to an obstacle in order to prevent them from observing the situation press your attack without let up so they cannot look around again you get someone on the ropes gotta yep. attack yeah gotta get them you know what I'm saying I do. when they're on the ropes mm-hmm. when they're starting to fade a little bit you're probably starting to fade a little bit too Right. Think about it. Yeah. If you and I are in a grappling match and we're going hard, when I see you getting tired, I'm probably getting tired too. Mm-hmm. Not time for me to rest. Just go. a lot of people they see you getting a little bit tired. I say, oh cool, I can take a right. little breather now. Yeah, it wrong answer. Less of of my effort now. Yeah, you know? wrong answer. Yeah, requires more effort. Yeah, I'm gonna finish you off. I'm yep. gonna get the kill. Yep. When you want to attack, you remain calm and quiet. Then get the jump on your opponent by attacking suddenly and quickly. You can preempt by being outwardly powerful and swift while inwardly leaving reserves. You can also get the jump by stealing your mind to the utmost, accelerating your pace a bit, and making a violent attack the instant you get up close to the opponent. In case the opponent attacks swiftly, you attack calmly yet powerfully when the opponent gets close tighten your bearing with absolute resolve and when the opponent shows signs of slacking overcome him with force immediately then again when an opponent attacks calmly and quietly accelerate your own attack slightly with your body lightly buoyant when the opponent gets close clash once and then adapting to his condition overcome him forcefully so this is what these are and the what, what's important about these is that understanding what's happening before you enter the situation so let me give you an example this you hear this all the time in MMA 
there's certain MMA fighters that come out of the gate blazing mm. And you hear all the time, oh, this guy, he knows he's got to weather the storm. Yeah, yeah. So that's exactly what, oh, you're going to attack me? I'm going to remain calm. You're going going all out, going crazy, getting nuts even. Yeah. And what am yeah. I doing? I'm just going to remain calm, just going right. to take the hits. I'm going to defend. I'm going to let you, and I'm going to do it with resolve. Just going to be calm, normal face, boom, we're good. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to wear yourself out, and then I'm going to attack. Yeah. As opposed to, if you come out, you're all nonchalant. I might st- I might come at you hard to overcome you while you're not mentally prepared for the chaos I'm going to bring to you. Yeah, in hopes that you can't weather the storm. Right, right. Yeah. Whenever opponents try and attack you, let them go ahead and do anything that is useless while preventing them from doing anything that is useful. This is essential to military science. That doesn't even need explanation. Yeah. Except for the fact that you see people all the time that the enemies do, or the competitors doing something that they don't like, it bothers them. Mm-hmm. So they make effort to stop it. Yeah. And they're just wasting their effort. Yeah. You should actually be encouraging people to waste their resources and time. Yeah. Knowing the state of affairs. In large-scale military science, knowing the state of affairs means discerning the flourishing and declining of opponents, discerning the intentions of adversary troops and perceiving their condition, clearly seeing the state of affairs, determining how to deploy your own troops so as to gain certain victory by the principles of military science, and doing battle with the knowledge of what lies ahead. Also, in individual martial arts, you determine your opponent's traditions, observe the personal character of adversaries, find out people's strengths and weaknesses, maneuver in ways contrary to opponent's expectations, determine opponent's highs and lows, ascertain rhythms in between, make the first move. This is essential. So that's leadership right there, dealing with other people, know their character. Back to the book, if your own power of insight is strong, the state of affairs of everything will be visible to you. Once you have attained complete, independent mastery of martial arts, you'll be able to figure out the minds of opponents and thus find many ways to win. This demands work. know what's happening you know I, I like the fact that he's talking about understanding your opponent's traditions understanding their cultures what he's talking about mm. you've got to understand what your opponent's culture is mm. and an individual level and on a social level all of it mm. disintegration is something that happens to everything when a house crumbles a person crumbles or an adversary crumbles they fall apart by getting out of rhythm with the times. In large-scale military science, it is also essential to find the rhythm of opponents as they come apart and pursue them so as to not let openings slip by. If you miss the timing of vulnerable moments, there is a likelihood of counterattack. In individual martial arts, it also happens that an adversary will get out of rhythm in combat and start to fall apart. If you let such a chance get by you, the adversary will recover and thwart you. It is essential to follow up firmly on any loss of poise on the part of an opponent to prevent him from recovering. Again, you see this in MMA all the time. Get that guy on the ropes, get that guy dazed. You gotta get on him, finish him. And and, And that's how tired people get 
in MMA. You'll see somebody really, really rocked mm-hmm. and losing their bearings, and and the other guy won't even be able to pursue him because he's tired or overly cautious. And then you know what else you get? You get the guy that goes nuts and gasses himself out trying to finish a guy so hard, and the guy just hangs on, ties him up, whatever. And then then all of a sudden the t- the, the tables turn. Yeah, and that typically what that is when they punch themselves out. Yep. Is what they call it when they get too excited, mm-hmm. like they don't maintain the normal face. They don't you maintain know? normal face. Yeah, Got issues there. And there's a, and apparently you know I'm listening to this, and there is a difference between normal face and then being aggressive. You know, in attacks. You know, like being offensive or whatever. So and that's a good well, you can have normal face while you're being aggressive. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Right? Being yeah. aggressive doesn't mean you're getting all you're losing your composure. Right. You're aggressively attacking while maintaining composure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, so a lot of times in MMA where you see a guy, you know, boom, he got the other guy on the ropes and he maintains, you can, t- you know, a guy getting too excited, mm-hmm. you know, he risks punching himself yeah. out if he doesn't connect or if he, you know, if the guy just does a good or job he can even defending. Get, occasionally the guy gets just super sloppy and gets yeah, caught. exactly right, because the guy's out of desperation or, yeah. you know. You ever seen that one? It was Scott, I think the guy's name is Scott. No, who was it? Tim Lytle, maybe? Anyway, I forget. Um, So he gets hit in the liver, I think, and it buckles Buckles him. And he's, you can tell, oh, the fight's over for this guy. And the other guy comes running in, haymaker style, you know, like sloppy, but super aggressive. And he sneaks one in as the guy's, knocks him out. Yep. And it looked like the fight was over for that guy. He lost his composure. Yeah. He didn't maintain normal face. Nope, not at all. (laughs) He was way too excited and he got sloppy. He got excited face. Yes, exactly. Back to the book. Becoming the opponent means you should put yourself in an opponent's place and think from the opponent's point of view. Clearly. Letting go four hands is when you and an opponent are in a deadlock and no progress is being made in the fight. It means that when you think you're going to get into a deadlock, you stop right away and seize victory by taking advantage of a different approach. In large-scale military science as well if there is total deadlock and no progress is being made there will be a loss of personnel it is essential to stop right away and seize victory by taking advantage of a tactic unsuspected by the enemy in individual martial arts also if you think you are getting into a deadlock then it is essential to immediately change your approach ascertains the opponent's state and determine how to win by means of a very different tactic this is, this is something you see a lot. And you see that in everything. In everything. You see it in war. You see it in jiu-jitsu. You see it in fighting. You see it in business. People, they get to a position, and there's some comfort. There's some level of comfort. If you and I lock up, and you're in my half guard, and you're not really going anywhere, and I'm, and I, and, and I'm not going anywhere, you're not going anywhere, mm-hmm. there's a level of comfort there. Yeah. Like, why should I take risk doing something else? Right. And it's so we, we don't mind being deadlocked. Now, what's important about this is... He's saying as soon as you sense it, that's got to be the hard part. As soon as you sense there's a deadlock, that's when you should make the change. Because the longer I wait, the the longer, the more settled it becomes and the harder it is to break out of that deadlock. Movement is so critical. Mental, physical movement is so critical. That's why when something is going bad, like let's say you're in a public place and something's going bad, a, a, a terrorist comes in and starts screaming shooting the, you move immediately 
You mm-hmm. got, your instinct has got to be to move immediately. What gotcha. you don't want to do is freeze, stop, hold, which is a very yeah. human instinct, mm-hmm. right? It's a very human instinct to freeze and, and just take cover. Right. Now, there's shooting going on, depending on the kind of shooting. If there's heavy machine gun fire, bop, 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 like that, mm-hmm. yes, you have to you have to get down because there's yeah. bullets flying all over the place. Yeah. If the bullets are slowly going, bop, 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 that means someone's taking aim and shooting. Yeah. So if you stay still, you're going to get shot. If you hear that steady pace, you go. Yeah. You go. You zigzag. You take cover. You then you bound to another position. You move as fast as you can. Yeah. That quick movement when you before the deadlock settles in mm. is when you want to do it. When someone's about to in, in in a in a situation like a physical confrontation, don't let it get there. Make a move before it gets there. Yeah. Which you know hopefully means you leave. You walk away. You know, before the guy bows up to you and starts getting in your face, you're already gone. Didn't yeah. even let it get there. Because yeah. now we're going to a situation where it's we're going to have to make something happen. Yeah. And that's not good. Right? It's not going to be good. Sure. Oh, yeah, I kicked this, I kicked this guy's ass out in the street. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. And what's the other 14 alternatives? You got stabbed. You got arrested. You, got, you broke his neck. You're in prison. There's all kinds of bad ones. Yeah. There's like one good out of 14, which is, hey, I put the guy to sleep. And even that one, what are you getting out of that? Yeah. He bled on you. Yeah. And we don't know what kind of disease this guy has. Yeah. You know, we've, we've talked about that before, but the bottom line is try and be aware of when things are about to get stagnant. And if you can change them then, do it then. Yeah. It's all, it, ultimately, it comes down to being ready. Yeah, yeah, the, it in, and not does. even necessarily ready for anything specific. It just you know when the, when you get caught off guard, it's like oh, you got yep. your mind has to explore all these options. Yep. Takes all this time, you know. If you would have if you would have just been aware, yeah, awareness goes so far. Like I did that video on on real martial arts, mm-hmm. and and you, you know I started off by saying, hey, the best form of self defense is the gun. You oh, know, yeah. If you yeah, if you yeah. because yeah, think right. about it, if you have somebody that truly is in a high threat area you know you take a a a woman or an older person that doesn't have great physical strength and they're in a high threat area Mm -hmm. to tell them that you know learning jujitsu is going to be the best thing for them is wrong right the best thing for them is to in high threat area is to have a weapon a a gun that is the best thing to have that truly will neutralize targets so but that but what I didn't mention in that video which I should have is yes the first thing is mental awareness the first yeah. thing is like oh yeah I'm, I'm aware of what's happening I'm aware that I'm going into a high threat area I'm gonna go to another area I'm gonna drive around that area that's yeah. the oh I see bad things going on on my side of the street I'm gonna walk across the street and avoid it yeah. early enough that I don't look like a victim because if you see if if a perpetrator sees you or a predator sees that you're avoiding them then they think, oh, that's the person scared. There's yeah, a target for me. Yeah, it's weak. Yeah, they're weak. But that's why you got to be aware. So mm-hmm. yes, you're 100% right. And when you walk into a building, you walk into a public place, you should be looking around. Where are the exits? Where is their cover? How fast can I get out of here? Yeah. That's what you should be doing. And and if you have that predetermined, it's not even like it takes that much effort. You yeah. just have to do it. Yeah. You have to say, oh, I'm going into a high school graduation. And I'm gonna sit in a spot where I'm close to the exit in case somebody goes crazy. Because when is someone gonna go crazy? We don't know. But they do. And so if you're close to the exit, you can get out of there quickly. Or you can at least flank the perpetrator. 
yeah. and get rounds on them before anything really bad happens. Yeah. And you just compare that to the alternative of not knowing. Right. You know? Or, you know, you go in and you go, oh, this is a good seat. I'm able to see the graduation from this middle spot that has no cover and concealment anywhere around it. Yeah. And when something goes sideways, I'm going to be one of the persons trapped in the mob trying to get out of this two doors yeah. while someone's shooting a machine gun. Not yeah. good. No. So be aware of your surroundings is number one. And then when you see that thing happening, act quickly. Yeah. You know, you see something shady going on, move towards that exit. Yeah. Movement is so key and being mentally prepared to make the movement having that be a quick reaction instead of a delayed reaction and planning your situation so that you're in a spot where you can move quickly is critical. Yeah. In large-scale military science when you cannot discern the enemy's state you pretend to make a powerful attack and see what they do. That's pretty cool, mm. right? If I don't know what the, per- the person's not doing anything, I can't tell what they're gonna do, make a little attack on them. See, right. how, the, see, how, see how they react to it. Yeah. And in jujitsu, by the way, it's gotta be a real attack. Yeah. You can't fake yeah. an attack in jujitsu unless it. the person's weak. You have, I mean, like not trained. Yeah, or nervous or so, yeah. You, you need to come. give them a real attack. Yeah. If I say, oh, I'm gonna pretend to sweep Echo so I can g- expose his arm, if I pretend to sweep you, you won't even defend it. You don't have to. It's pretend. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to defend against pretend things. I've yeah. actually got to try and sweep you. That will expose your arm because you have to defend the sweep. Yeah. So your attacks, I don't I don't like to use the word pretend there because if you're pretending, well, even if even on the battlefield, I'm not going to pretend to flank you. I'm yeah. going to flank you. Yeah. I'm going to flank you. And if you don't defend it, I'm going to win. Mm-hmm. If you defend it, cool. Now I can hit you from the other side. Yeah. It's kind of like on the movies and the war movies, right? They They, what was it? Rambo. I don't know, but you know how they have the the girl, you know, walks. That's that's the the the, the decoy. So obvious. The girl's not oh, going to be in a war sure. zone for sure. Right? You gotta you gotta know that. You yeah. Know? Watch out for that really good looking girl <laughs> in, the, in the bad situation. The, of the battlefield. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Back to the book. If you demonstrate strongly to opponents, oh, this is good. If you demonstrate strongly to opponents how you control the advantage, they will change their minds inhibited by this strength so if I'm dominating you on the jiu-jitsu mat Mm -hmm. and I'm just holding you across side holding you across side holding you across side I've given away uh, what I do to control you so now next time you're not gonna let me get across side you're gonna panic so or you're gonna not gonna panic but you're gonna really defend that position harder and you're gonna sacrifice a cross side maybe you give up your back because you realize hey my back attacks aren't as good and then now I'm not getting where I want to be so if you demonstrate, so you got to be careful. You can't be so dominant in what you're doing that everyone sees it, yeah. or that your opponent sees it, or that your competitor sees what you're doing, and then they can counter it. If you if you keep it somewhat obscured by by you know uh, smoke and mirrors, yeah. so that they can't tell exactly how you're dominating, that's yeah. a positive thing. That's a, one of the drawbacks of having the same training partner. You know, because you, you like I train with Greg so much mm-hmm. that we just sit in this weird stalemated position so much of the time. Yeah, and it's almost like it's and it's subconscious at this yeah, point. Yeah, of course. Where you're not worried about certain things now. Well, this goes back. What you need to do with him there is you need to avoid that position before you get to it. Yeah, right as you get yeah. to it, you need to go. No, we're not going there. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Dang. Back to the book. There is infection in everything. Even sleepiness can be infectious, and yawning can be infectious. 
there is even infection of a time in large-scale military science when adversaries are excited and evidently are in a hurry to act you behave as though you are completely unfazed giving the appearance of being thoroughly relaxed and at ease do this and the adversaries themselves are influenced by this mood becoming less enthusiastic when you think your opponents have caught that mood you empty your own mind and act quickly and firmly thus gaining the winning advantage in martial arts as well it is essential to be relaxed in body and mind notice the moment an opponent slackens and quickly take the initiative to win now the reason I wanted to point that one out is it is for especially for you know people in police officers bouncers that's the de-escalation right someone's getting all excited if you get excited back at them you're just escalating the situation act calm calm them down don't let them they want you to get riled up like that drunk guy that they that that domestic violence situation they want you to, they want to fight they yeah. want to lash out yep, if you give them. it to them they're going to take it yeah. in a large in large scale military science it is essential to cause upset it is critical to attack resolutely where enemies are not expecting it then while their minds are unsettled use this to your advantage to take the initiative and win there is fright in everything this means being frightened by the unexpected in individual martial arts you can threaten by means of your body you can threaten by means of your sword you can threaten by means of your voice what is essential is to suddenly make a move totally unexpected by the opponent pick up on the advantage of the fright and seize victory right then and there this must be worked out thoroughly Uh, this is whenever I catch Dean whenever I catch Dean I catch him only by surprise like I if he knows what I'm doing he stops it yeah. The only times I catch him is by surprise. And, and he, uh, you know, he'll say, oh, man, I did not expect an arm lock there. For a while ago, uh, you know, I was, come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. And he got so good at defending. Come here, I wasn't hitting it. And then one day, boom, threw an arm lock. At. I did that to you a couple weeks ago. <laughs> right? You were, yes. y- you said the exact same thing. Yeah. Oh, he was defending the heck out of that come here. And then, boom, you got a straight arm lock. Yeah. That, and what got you was just surprise. Surprise, because your defense is solid on what you see. Mm-hmm. It's those things that you don't see. Yeah, that which you cannot defend. And that, yeah, I mean that. Especially when you get advanced, that is the whole of jujitsu right there. You yeah, know? The setting although, up that surprise. Although, like, there's times where Dean, I know exactly what he's going to do. And he's doing it with such methodical perfection that I yeah. cannot stop it. Yeah. And that is so bothersome. <laughs> well, but, but even that kind of, and this is totally splitting hairs, but even that in a way, he might have little micro surprises, you know, to establish the position. Getting know? Yes, getting to the position, he definitely does that. Yeah. But once he's in a position, and I know, exa- matter of fact, he'll be telling me. <laughs> He'll be telling me, yeah. "Oh, you know what's coming, Jocko? I wish you could stop this. Yeah. It's actually sad that you can't." He'll be talking so much smack to me, which obviously is even more frustrating. Yeah, yeah. But that's because he's better than me at jujitsu, right? Straight he's up. he's just got the skills, yeah. And he knows he does know he knows how to do those movements with such authority and precision that you're just you're just in trouble yeah you know he does this one True. he calls it like the arresting officer 
And he'll start talking to me like he's a like he's a cop, and he'll be going. He'll be saying, "Sir, just calm down, just calm down, sir." And he's got me face down, like I'm getting arrested. Uh, and he does that weird camera where, he, uh, and he's you know he just he says he'll say, "Look at the wall over there," and, and I'm trying not to look where he's. He will like force my face. Yeah, yeah. It's it's humiliating. <laughs> That's why when either one of us, and we're at a point in the jujitsu now where. If either one of us get in our dominant position, yeah. the other person we we are going to make them suffer yeah. immensely. And he's got more dominant. You know, if I get a cross side on him, he's in trouble. And if I get him on all fours, he's in trouble. He's I'm going to make him suffer in both those positions straight up. I might not submit him, but he's going to suffer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's got those two positions. The same thing. Like if he's a cross side on me, or he's or if I'm on all fours, he'll make me suffer. But also. He has the mount. If he mounts me, yeah. I suffer. Yeah, Br- brutally because then I'm looking at him, which is even more horrible. <laughs> <laughs> you know that he will literally drip sweat into my eyes purposefully. Yeah, yeah. You know, if he's in the mount, Dang. he'll sit there and aim sweat drop coming off his nose <laughs> and hit me in the eye. Yeah, that's advanced. And you know. tell me, you know, Chinese water torture. Like as soon as yeah. he'll mount me, he's like Chinese water. If he's sweating, if we're already warm, Chinese water torture. Oh, and I'm saying, Dean. <laughs> I'm gonna kill. I, I'll, I'll be saying. I always say, Dean. I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill you. I'm gonna kill you. Enjoy this. Yeah, and then when yeah. I get him, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what makes the jujitsu so fun. The game within the game. Yeah, it's crazy. Back to the book. Flustering opponents means acting in such a way as to prevent them from having a steady mind. In large scale. In large-scale military science, this means that you assess adversaries' minds on the battlefield and use the power of your knowledge of the art of war to manipulate their attention, making them think confusing thoughts about what you're going to do. It means finding a rhythm that will fluster adversaries, accurately discerning where you can win. In individual martial arts as well, you try various maneuvers according to the opportunity of the moment making the opponent think you are now going to do this, now that, now something else, until you find the opponent starting to get flustered, and thus, you win at will. This is the essence of battle. It should be studied carefully. <laughs> so clearly, make, flustering your opponent on the battlefield, in business, wherever you are, in conversations, you're trying to get someone, fluster them. Mm. Fluster them, obviously, in jiu-jitsu. When you start getting flustered, you're doomed. Yeah, you're yeah, doomed. In the context of large-scale combat, mixing means that when two groups are facing off and your opponents are strong, you attack one of the opponent's flanks as if to mix with them. Then when you see the opponents crumble, you leave off and attack again where they are strong. Flanking, always... Mountain and sea means that it is bad to do the same thing over and over again. You may have to repeat something once, but it should not be done a third time. When you try something on an opponent, if it does not work the first time, you will not get any benefit out of rushing to do it again. Change your tactics abruptly, doing something completely different. If that still does not work, then try something else. Thus, the science of martial arts involves the presence of mind to act and see where the enemy is like a mountain and act as a mountain when the enemy is like a sea. This requires careful reflection. So what's interesting about this is you actually, there is a benefit if you, in jiu-jitsu, 
and on the battlefield if you try something and you see the reaction mm-hmm. now you know the reaction yeah. and you try it again if you automatically counter the reaction that's a great setup yeah. Dean will do three three times he'll do something three times he'll go once fake once fake if he doesn't do it the third time he won't do it which is a great rule to have because now that person has thought oh they're setting this up mm-hmm. but yeah so sometimes it's good to try something you see the defenses and now you can attack it with those defenses understood which yeah. is beneficial especially with jiu-jitsu well jiu-jitsu has, it's so complex you can go for a guillotine but the way you went for the guillotine can change a lot too you know yeah. like um like i won't try it from this very exact position you know two three times i'll go one didn't work maybe i'll try it again oh obviously didn't work he's good at defending from there yeah. maybe you'll do something else something else something else and then come back to it you know those guys yeah, who you, are, you got it you got it you, you that's a great point if i try a guillotine on you and then i try it again you already know it's like if i try one on you it's tight close but you get out mm-hmm. you're you're defending it like crazy now you're not even gonna let me get it again yeah i gotta attack 14 other i gotta attack multiple other things probably like probably around five or six other things yeah. before I come back to the guillotine and I'm going to get it deep next time. <laughs> right. Because I know you got good defense, right? I'm going to yeah. go a little extra. Yeah, and you're going to set it up different typically. You know the, you know those guys who are really good at triangles and yeah. they'll just fly them out of anywhere. Yeah. So all that is is it's the same thing where they'll go for a triangle and sure, you can even be like, yeah, I know this guy's good at triangles, so I'm going to defend the triangle. So mm-hmm. you know how to defend the triangle, but you're not as good, so you're used to defending the triangle from the, from the guard, yeah. and that's it. Meanwhile, this guy's doing some half guard thing to sweep you here, and <laughs> when you base to sweep, he's going for that triangle, you yeah. know? So he knows it from everywhere, so uh, it's, the, it's the same eventuality, but the way he approaches is different, so it's like attacking this mountain. Yeah. We're not going to go up this straight in the front of the mountain, we're going to try the front. Okay, defended. We're going to try it from the side. Okay, defended. We're going to try it from the side here. Then f- go to the front. Then go to the other side. And no, then, then get we're it. going airborne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Attacking That's what from I meant. That's air. what I meant. <laughs> Back to the book. When fighting with enemies, if you get the f- if you get to feeling snarled up and are making no progress, you toss a w- toss your mood away and think in your heart that you are starting everything anew. As you get the rhythm. You discern how to win. This is becoming a new. Anytime you feel tension and friction building up between yourself and others, if you change your mind that very moment, you can prevail by the advantage of radical difference. This is becoming new. So sometimes you just got to put your attitude in check, mm. right? I, the, the reason that I thought about that, I thought about that in terms of from leadership perspective, dealing with people. The minute you know, you and I are in a meeting. And all of a sudden, I start feeling that friction. I'm, I should need to recognize I'm doing something wrong. I'm mm-hmm. creating friction. I'm not making progress. Need to start anew. Need to mm-hmm. take a different approach. Yeah. You need to realize that early when you're dealing with other human beings. The more I continue down the bad approach that wasn't working, the harder it is to back out of. Mm-hmm. So when you start sensing that bad approach, go a different direction. Yeah. When you are fighting adversaries and get to feeling snarled up in Petty maneuvers, remember this rule of military science. While in the midst of the minutiae, suddenly you shift to a large perspective. Changing to great or small is an intentional part of the science of the art of war. It is essential for warriors to seek this even in the ordinary consciousness of human life. This mentality is critical to military science, whether large or small scale. This concern should be given careful consideration. So, this is detachment. 
you have to detach you can't get caught in the minutiae and you also can't get caught in the large scale you have to be able to see both of them and when you when you feel like you've spent too much time in one time to back out and see the other one mm. when you start and, and uh, when you start feeling bogged down step back mm. step back take the large perspective let me ask you this like you're obviously well versed in a, in a lot of like detachment for example do you conduct like your everyday life just that just is yes. on the forefront of your mind you're just you're, I mean I'm not saying you're detached the whole time but you okay. you know like you'll detach at just a split second when you have to it, kind it, of thing it, is it that available no actually I'm more often I'm observing myself the whole time the whole you know? time yeah now this is weird because sometimes people say you, you don't even enjoy your life mm-hmm. and that's not true you come to jujitsu with me I I, I, I you know I'm having fun right yeah. I'm I'm actually so detached doing jujitsu but I'm in the like the Zen mindset right my mind's not even there so yeah. that that's very pleasurable for me but you know I'm not like detached when I'm when I'm playing with my eight year old daughter I'm not yeah. detached when I'm you know hanging out with my family I'm not in this big detachment mode but if I'm dealing with one of my kids. And one of my kids did something they shouldn't have done, or I, I'm right. detached. Then yes, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. When I'm dealing with a client, and you know they're having issues with something, I'm detached. Mm-hmm. You know, a client starts getting mad at another client, and I'm there. I'm detached. You know, that's one of the benefits of, of Echelon Front is Echelon Front. When we come into work with a company, we're we're de facto detached, yeah. and they're always caught up in these crazy situations. These companies, right. well, not all of them, but even a company that's doing well. They've got things that they don't see because they're in the fight. Yeah. They're in, they're they're in the tactical battlefield. They're getting after it. Yeah. They got sales. They got to do. They got numbers. They got to reach. They got all these things going on. They got goals. They got raises that they're doing. They got all those things happening, and they're in it. So when we come in, we are detached. It's just inherent in what we're doing, yeah. and it's very beneficial because we're detached from a leadership perspective, and that's what we're looking at. Right. So. Some companies might come in and they're detached, but they're not there to look at the leadership. They're there to look at the finances. Right. right. They're lo- there to look at the process. Mm. You know, a lot of companies need help with their process, mm. and that's cool. There's companies that there's consulting companies that come in and look at process. There's co- consulting companies that come in and look at finance. We're a consulting company that comes in and looks at leadership. Mm-hmm. And what we have is we've been doing it for so long, not just in the military. I mean, in the military in the business world. That when we come in detached, we can, it's very obvious for all of them, for us to what's happening because we've yeah. we've seen it before. Yeah, we've seen it before. Yeah, and in the, but in those cases, you know, when especially when you're quote unquote at work, you know, mm-hmm. I would imagine it's easy to just yeah. boom detach. Yeah, but like what I'm saying is just your everyday life. You know, you talk about like with your kids or something like that. Is it is it easy to to boom detach at a moment's notice or is it the kind of, okay, okay? I think I gotta I, detach. I now. think I'm conditioned. Yeah. To the point that when things start to escalate, I automatically like, detach. Yeah, yeah. The- like when I see something, you know, if I see, let's say, um, a lifeguard situation, you know, I'm, I'm down at the beach or I'm down at the ocean and I see a lifeguard situation, something happening, yeah. I instantly detach and I'm looking around, I'm seeing where the uh, where positions are, I'm seeing what we can do to help, yeah. I'm instantly detached. Whereas yeah. a lot of people are not detached at all. They're, oh my God, this is right, happening. Right. I'm instantly detached. Completely. Yeah. yeah, that's the kind of situation. Or even, you know, if if there's an escalation in the household of some kind, raised voices or whatever, which there's not. Honestly, there's not a lot in my house. Yeah. But if there is, 
it, it's an instant detachment for me. I, it's an instant. When I hear my kid yelling, you know, maybe raising his voice to my wife, it's instantly, it's not, it's not, why is that kid doing? No, it's like, okay, boom, I'm, I'm detached. I'm going in to find out what's going on. Yeah. That's very, I think I've conditioned myself yeah. to be like that. And I think that's why I always talk about you got to have those red flags. You got to identify what it is that you do as a human that make that makes you realize you're escalating too. Yeah, that's what you got to watch out for. Yeah, yeah. It really seems like that's like the goal, you know, to make it to have it be just like how you have it. Yeah, to have it conditioned into your brain that when you when things are escalating around you. It's a warning that flashes. You just go right. detach. Automatic. Detach right boom. Now. That's yep. the, what like, happens. Like, you know, we'll be walking down the street. There'll be some kind of a, a situation in the street. It's instant detach. It's yeah. instant. All right. What's going on? Where's the cops? Where's the cars? What, you know, it's, it's that's all the time. Yeah. All the time. Because really the, the default, I think, for, you know, your average person is it's not like, okay, what's the scenario? What's the problem to be solved? How do I solve it? It's more, how do I feel about this? You know, you know, now that we're thinking about it, I bet. So I was, when I was training, I was, I spent time in the training department of SEAL Team One training cell when I was part of cadre. Hell yeah. And, and there, and then obviously I ran the training for the West Coast SEALs when I was at Trade Debt. And in both, well, this is this may have really helped me because in both those situations, I was an instructor. So therefore, while we would throw these hard problems at people, I would be, once again, de facto, I am detached because yeah. I'm not in the platoon that's going through the training. Mm-hmm. So I am detached. And so I always got to see how much more you can see when you are detached. Mm-hmm. So as I learned that over the years and saw over and over again that I could, even when I was a young SEAL, in in cadre at seal team one we would i'm sitting there as an e5 seal uh, you know an enlisted seal not in charge of anything but i'm watching the the situation unfold and i can see what the solution is yeah and and the and the and the platoon chief can't see it and he's more experienced than i am Mm -hmm. he can't see it because he's in it Mm -hmm. and so i would always just say well just all i need to do is just step back see what i used to be able to see when i was an instructor easy Boom. Yeah. So I probably got to train my detachment by actually not being and participating, but watching. Be like if you sat around and watched street fights. Like as a bouncer. Yeah. As a bouncer, you're sober. You're seeing it day in, day out. Eventually, as the, the longer, the, when you first became a bouncer and there was a fight, were you detached at all? No. You probably weren't. You were probably, oh, there's a fight going on, grab this guy. And then the more experienced you got, the more level-headed you got. You can always tell a good bouncer when they, hey, you know, they can come in, they can take control, they're not not escalating themselves. They're detached. So you probably achieved some of that as well. Yeah, fully. Yeah, so so you... It's almost like you you recognize just over and over again where the advent or the beneficial position is, and it's outside. Mm-hmm. It's not inside. It's, as far as mentally, yeah, you it's know? outside your own head, not inside your own head. Yeah, yeah. That's good, man. That's the goal right there. It is. Cause, uh, man, yeah. Back to the book. Military science involves knowledge of the methods of other schools. Unless you know the ways of other schools, you certainly cannot understand the way of my individual school. Gotta understand your enemy, gotta understand other methods, gotta understand the way other people are doing things. There are some other schools that are fond of extra long swords. From the point of the martial art, I see them as weak schools. 
At times, when you are engaged with an opponent at close quarters, the longer sword, the longer your sword is, the harder it is to strike with it. You cannot swing the sword back and forth enough, and it becomes a burden. Then you are in a worse situation than someone wielding a small sidearm sword. In the context of large military science, the extra-long sword is the large contingent. A shorter one is a small contingent. Is a battle between a small contingent and a large contingent impossible? There are many examples of a small contingent winning over a large contingent. Thus, in my individual school, there is a virgin, there is an aversion to narrow, biased attitude. This calls for careful examination. So, yes, just like with a longer sword, the harder it is to maneuver. With a smaller sword, it's easier to maneuver. If you take a big giant element with you on the battlefield, it's harder to maneuver. If you take a smaller, in the business world, you set up your company, this large business, it's gonna be less maneuverable. If you break it into smaller teams that are more maneuverable, could be very beneficial. Mm -hmm. So you should have an aversion towards biased attitudes. Back to the book. If you slash with unreasonable force when you are going to kill someone, intending to deal a powerful blow of the sword, you will not be successful. Even when you are making a test cut on a dummy or something, it is wrong to try to deliberately slash powerfully. When facing an enemy in mortal combat, nobody thinks of striking weakly or powerfully. When one thinks of killing each other, when one only thinks of killing the other, there's no sense of strength and, of course, no sense of weakness. One only thinks of the death of the enemy. And I like that because obviously we see this in, in martial arts when somebody's trying to knock the opponent out with every swing that they take and they miss all of them. Because yeah. they're winding up and they're telegraphing and it just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. The way you knock someone out is by you know keeping your tight combos together and throwing them. Yeah. And in the business world, what I see is when people try and lead, again, this is it's so strange, but leaders supposed to be powerful, right? Yeah. And sometimes people lead with too much power. Yeah. And and they lead with so much force that they're that they're missing what's happening. They're missing the 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 nuances of the people that they're leading, and they're taking away the power from the people that they're trying to lead. Yeah. Is it like how? Like they might be focusing too much on being powerful. Yeah, they might be focusing too much on being powerful. They might be focusing on too much on being the leader. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Now we get all ends of the spectrum here. Some people aren't leading enough, right? Mm. That's that's horrible. Mm. Some people are leading too much, which means they're turning into a micromanager or they're overbearing and they're not getting feedback from people. So with both those, if you're trying to lead so hard, yeah. another thing that happens you see people try and do is they're they're chasing the target, which is something we say from shooting, where they're basically shooting where their last round went. Well, you see people that are in leadership positions, they're trying so hard to be the leader, they want, they get feedback and they adjust and they get feedback again, they adjust again. So they're trying so hard to do a good yeah. job that they're actually failing. Mm. They're actually failing because they're trying too hard to make people happy. They're trying too hard to adapt to what people are, the feedback that they're getting. Mm-hmm. And like, what are your principles? Okay, the principles of your leadership shouldn't change and the principles of the goals that you're trying to accomplish, they shouldn't be changing day to day. Mm. So why would your little tactics be changing day to day? Now you're moving all over the place. So sometimes people lead too hard. Yeah, Gotta be careful of that one. Careful consideration. Yes. 
this should be examined carefully. <laughs> In the course of struggle for victory by military science, you win by disrupting others' defenses, by making moves opponents do not expect, by confusing opponents or irritating them or scaring them, sensing the pattern of the rhythm when the opponents get mixed up to seize victory. Clear. Distraction. The focus of the eyes depends on the school. There are those who fix their eyes on the opponent's swords. And there are those who fix their opponents fix their eyes on the opponent's hands. There are those who fix their eyes on the opponent's face, and there are those who fix their eyes on the opponent's feet, and so on. When you try to fix your eyes on some particular point, there is a sense of distraction, and this becomes what is known as an affliction in martial arts. Generally speaking, the focus of the eyes in martial arts is on the hearts and minds of the people involved. Hmm. We need to understand people. We need to understand human nature to lead and to fight and to win. In my martial art, there's no change in footwork. It is just like walking along a road as usual, following the rhythm of the opponent, finding the right physical position in conditions of both hurry and calm. The stride should be orderly, without slack or excess. This is when I was a brand new SEAL, and one of my favorite awesome instructors that was putting he was one of the cadre when I was going through sure. but he's the first guy that I, that I heard say running to your death yeah. but when he would move he was an extreme he's probably one of the best shooters in the SEAL teams as far as pistol rifle combat shooting he was definitely one of the best and when he would move through a building he would just be moving at this steady pace and it was just the most awesome thing it's faster than a walk but it's definitely not a run and it's smooth and he would give us little examples of how effective it was and how you needed to move that way and that's 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 exactly what this reminded me of it's like good pace solid pace and you just steady back to the book when you master an art or science your performance does not appear to be fast the performance of an expert seems relaxed but does not leave any gaps the actions of trained people do not seem rushed it's like Jeff Glover when you're watching him the word that always comes to my mind is smooth yeah and he, he's going fast and it, it but it looks so smooth yeah and it is fast lightning fast but it's so smooth yeah. <laughs> my way of teaching martial arts is to have beginners learn and practice those techniques that are easily mastered first teaching them the principles that they will readily understand as for those things that their minds have a hard time reaching I observe the understanding of the individual subsequently teaching them deeper principles gradually step by step so you start teaching people things that they understand accordingly in transmitting my science I do not care for written pledges or articles of penalties Observing the intellectual power of students, teaching them a straight path, having them abandon the bad aspects of the five ways or the six ways of martial arts so that they naturally enter in to the real science of warriors, causing their minds to be free from doubt. This is the way I teach martial arts. 
thorough training and practice are necessary. So this reminds me of all the clickbait articles that are out there that say, in fact, we made a funny video that said the one thing you need to do to change, and it was, Right. It's it's clickbait because you see those all the time. Yeah. I was looking at a a website the other day or a, a, a social media feed the other day from one of those websites. Every I counted like fourteen in a row <laughs> of the Bro. articles that were posted were five things that right. every CEO does. Yeah. Seven steps to you know f- this mm-hmm. and four because those are just clickbait. People are like, oh cool, that's cool. They've broken it down into four things I can easily understand. Yeah. Click. I'm gonna click on that. Let's do it. <laughs> And now I can be now I can achieve you know yeah. whatever. That's all I need to know. I but don't have to work anymore. You don't have after to work. That? And just Shoot, just, just read the list, bro. You're Shoot. good. Yep. So that's some stuff you gotta watch out for. And click on those things. But you know yeah. what? That's what people do. They're yeah. interested. Seven yeah. ways a Navy SEAL. Blah blah blah. They did that. They've done that with some of mine. They took, they took, the dichotomy of leadership. Mm-hmm. And they made it into an article. It's like 12 things every leader, Navy SEALs, 12 things every leader needs to, characteristics or something like that. Yeah, they yeah. broke it down like that. They've done yeah. that with actually quite a few things yeah. that we've done. They've, they've changed it from, you know, the dichotomy of leadership, which is a concept, right? Mm-hmm. It's a concept, and there are some examples of the concept. Right. But they, that's the one that they turned into like a cartoon where they got me in all these weird different outfits. <laughs> Have you seen that thing? <laughs> they got me so. in like a... A salmon colored sports jacket <laughs> and they got me oh, one of them is a, I'm dressed like Sherlock Holmes I'm serious this Dang. exists wait is the video no or no no. it's like it's a, it's a it's a cartoon I guess is what yeah. you call it, but it's an article okay I think it's yeah. business insider and it's an nice. article and it's got this cartoons of me and it's saying the 12 I think it's the 12 characteristics every leader needs to follow okay. but they took the dichotomy of leadership which is a concept yeah. of which I give examples in the book of how this concept applies, mm-hmm. but they just said, no, it's not a concept. It's, yeah, these are the 12 things. See, you, we don't want a concept. That might be too hard to understand. Right, right. No one's going to click on that. Yeah. Got to click on those things. <laughs> yeah. Well, in their defense, it is more like, what do you call it? Digestible uh, well, for method. Sure. For sure. Know? No, I, I totally understand what they're doing. And yeah. you know what? If it gets someone, which is their goal is to get people to read it, and if yeah. someone reads it and goes, okay, that's a cool, I understand there's a concept beyond it, yeah, credit, good yeah. job. They are, but but what we see is people that are doing it and they're actually, their purpose is to yeah. get the click and they're not actually trying to introduce people to something right. more deep than that. Yeah. Which is something deeper than that. They're just trying to get them to click on that and and yeah. feel good for the next thirty seconds. They go, man, I'm going to definitely do yeah. those four steps. Three things to do to incinerate belly fat. Yeah, there you That's go. The one. There you go. There's another one. Incineration. <laughs> very, I like it. Very powerful. Back to the book. In my individual school. There is no such thing as a distinction between initiatory and inner lore about the long sword. So that is awesome. And what he's saying is there's no difference between what you learn in the beginning and what you learn in the end. It's the same. I was talking about that with Leif today. The concepts are the concepts. Mm. The, the, The concepts are the concepts. And what you learn in the beginning about combat, they stay true. And that's why we're reading a book from 1643 that's telling you to take the high ground. Yeah. That's why. Because what you get introduced to, the true concepts, they remain constant. Mm. 
Do the tactics change? Sure. Do we get radios? Do we get night vision? Do we get long-range weapons? Yes, of course we get all those things, but the principles, the fundamental principles of combat leadership, they don't change. Hmm. There is, back to the book, there is no such thing as the ultimate guard. It is only a matter of understanding its effective qualities in your heart and mind. This is what is essential to martial arts. So, I think it's so important, and I've always tried to to maintain this, is that there is no perfect thing. There is no perfect thing, and I've I, I've said this about jujitsu. I mean, I always get pigeonholed as a jujitsu, like, oh, Jocko thinks jujitsu is the best thing in the world. Yeah. When I will readily and have always readily admitted the many weaknesses of jujitsu. I happen to love jujitsu as a thing to do, as a hobby, and I also do think it is the best place to start your self-defense journey, but then you absolutely have to learn how to wrestle. You absolutely have to learn how to box. You absolutely have to learn some Muay Thai. And beyond that, you have to start learning weapons. You have to learn how to shoot. All those things are important. And with jujitsu, same thing. Even inside of jujitsu, I don't look at him and say there's a one way to do it. Yeah. The minute you say there's a one way, getting flanked. You're you're getting flanked. You're getting flanked. Back to the book. This is now we're getting the last scroll here, the scroll of emptiness. Warriors learn military science accurately and go on to practice the techniques of martial arts diligently. The way that is practiced by warriors is not obscure in the least, without any confusion in mind, without slacking off at any time, polishing the mind and attention, sharpening the eye that observes and the eye that sees, one should know real emptiness as the state where there is no obscurity and the clouds of confusion have cleared away. So when you hear like the talking about the empty mind and all that, really good definition of what that is. No obscurity and the clouds of confusion have gone away. What do they call that? The mooshin mind? Mushin? Yeah, I don't mushin know. Uh, they, they, there's a word like that, but I don't yeah. know what it is right now. I call it monkey mind, actually, is what I've always called it. Interesting. Back to the book. Knowing that mentality taking straightforwardness as basic, taking the real mind as the way, practicing martial arts in the broadest sense, thinking correctly, clearly, and comprehensively, taking emptiness as the way, you see the way as emptiness. In emptiness, There is good, but no evil. Wisdom exists. Logic exists. The way exists. Mind is empty. 12 May, 1645. And that's how he wraps it up. And about a month later, and about a week before he died, 
which is on the 13th of June, 1645, he wrote his final piece, which is called the Dakodo, which translates to the path of aloneness or the way to go forth alone or the way of walking alone or the way to be followed alone. I found all those different translations. In all those titles, one thing that comes through clearly is that this is a piece about asceticism, which is a great word. And you hear it a lot in in religious philosophies and and it means severe self-discipline and avoidance of all forms of indulgence. That's, that's what asceticism is. And so here, these, he's got these 21 rules. These 21 rules to walk this path of aloneness. And we're going to go through. One, accept everything just the way it is. That's pretty simple. And it's pretty damn powerful. Two, do not seek pleasure for its own sake. Three, do not under any circumstances depend on a partial feeling. Four, think lightly of yourself and deeply of the world. That's called humility. Five, be detached from desire your whole life long. And that's hard to do. And there's one of my, if I had to pick a favorite poet besides Shakespeare, but there's another guy named William Blake who is a poet and he was a painter and he, he printed things and he was a, I studied him in college. Didn't like a lot of stuff I studied in college, but I liked William Blake. And one of the things that when I read that line, I thought about something that William Blake had said. And this is a totally contrary to that. Listen to this. Those who restrain desire do so because theirs is weak enough to be restrained. <laughs> I'm not even going to take a side on that one. I'm going to let Musashi and William Blake figure that one out. I think you got to balance those two. I guess I just took a side. No, I didn't. No, I went right in the middle. Right in the middle, the balance. <laughs> I'm about the balance. Yeah. Six, do not regret what you have done. Seven, never be jealous. Boom, by the way. Eight, never let yourself be saddened by a separation. Nine, resentment and complaint are appropriate neither for oneself or others. We don't like complaints around here. 10, do not let yourself be guided by the feeling of lust or love. Now, if people could obey that one, especially between the ages of 16 and 25, <laughs> you solve all kinds of problems for self in your life. Mm-hmm. 11, in all things have no preferences. Think about that. Think about that. Think about of everything that you deal with on a day-to-day basis, you, you, you try and not have preferences. 
12 be indifferent to where you live that's a tough one for me kind of like San Diego yeah (laughs) do not pursue the taste of good food kind of a challenging one (laughs) yes maybe maybe he wasn't yeah, he didn't around ribeyes, but he was around sushi though. So it's yeah, I guess you know true. there's something, <laughs> my opinion. But I'll tell you what, the fasting thing is. I've I've been like just getting after some fast lately. Sure. It feels so good. <laughs> yeah, it feels so good. And somebody asked me on Twitter the other day, "Do you ever not scratch an itch just to work on yeah, your discipline?" I and I was like, "Oh yeah, who doesn't do that, yeah. right?" But there is something cool about the fasting, the control, the discipline is pr- is pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, it's 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 pretty cool to do, and it feels rewarding. Yeah, it feels rewarding every time you saying I don't really need to eat that whatever that thing is. Yeah, but like I'm not gonna die. Yeah, I can make it to you know this evening when I'm gonna eat a nice big dinner. Mm-hmm. There's something good about that. There's something rewarding. Yep. Yeah, in a couple of ways, for sure. That itch thing, I've done that before. Like, actually, a lot of times, just to see, not because, ooh, I'm going to you know see how tough I can be with not scratching the itch, but just to see, like, what's going to happen to the itch? You know? <laughs> it usually gets scratched, and that's it. Like, what's going to happen, though, if I just let it go? Maybe your arm will grow and yeah. get infected. <laughs> yeah. But I found this is two different things. One thing that happens is the itch simply goes away. Yeah, it goes away. And then the other one, well, ultimately, they both go away, but. The other one is like a, a, it gets crazy to the point where you get <laughs> bro, like a um uh, it was a a mosquito bite. Oh or, yeah, yeah. Well, and, that's a little different. Yeah, but still, it's an itch though. True. But the itch just gets like deeper and it's crazy, but it goes away. Yeah. Discipline. Discipline. Fourteen. Do not hold on to possessions you no longer need. Again, the original minimalists here. Yeah. I need to get minimalist with some of my old t-shirts. <laughs> Make way for the got, new ones. I got those old t-shirts. No, I got old jujitsu t-shirts from 1997 competition. I don't want to throw that away. They got a little sentimental meaning. I want yep. that thing. Yeah, I just gave you a new one. You know, let's not get rid of that one. This is an interesting one. Number 15, do not act following customary beliefs. So here's a guy, you know, from the samurai tradition, steeped in tradition. He's like, don't act but his customary beliefs. Yeah. Have an open mind. Yeah. Do not collect weapons or practice weapons beyond what is useful. Well, some of us like weapons. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. Do not fear death. Number 17, do not fear death. That's affirmative. Number 18, do not seek to possess either goods or fiefs beyond your old age or for your old age makes sense right 19 respect buddha and the gods without counting on their help without counting on their help seems like a good move number 20 you may abandon your own body but you must preserve your honor indeed and number 21 never stray 
from the way. And that's some incredible guidance. And so much of it is so simple and yet so powerful. And it's from 1645. And what struck me the most about this, these 21 rules, is that he wrote them on his deathbed. And the suspicion is he died of some kind of cancer which had rapidly weakened him. And this is what he wrote on his deathbed. He wrote about not... He wrote about not letting desires control you, but controlling your desires. He wrote not about gaining more possessions, but ridding yourself of them. He wrote about not being the center of the world, but being humble and being in the world. And he wrote, as a warrior, not about fighting things, but accepting them. And he wrote about controlling his feelings. And all those rules, what they're about is they're about Discipline. Discipline. And in his final days, after this incredible life that he lived, he knew it was discipline that would set him free from those clouds of confusion. And I think we should probably all pay attention to that. And I think that's all we've got from Musashi for tonight until we get to episode 100 where we'll be covering the novel Musashi, which I was reading it the other night. And there's a reason why we're going to cover it. I think it's the first novel we're going to cover. Mm. In fact, it is. There's no we haven't covered any novels. The way of the warrior kids novel. <laughs> yes. But this is the first novel we're covering. Now, everyone thought, myself included, that the first novel we would cover would be Blood Meridian, which is also a historically based novel. Mm. I'm still not ready for Blood Meridian. <laughs> not ready. I'm still not ready for Blood Meridian. I'm reading it over and over again chunks of it and it's deep and it's so the first novel will be Musashi and we're gonna learn a lot from that one and I'm gonna start with the same opening we started with today sure that opening that opening is just legit isn't it (laughs) it is when you read that opening the whole world's gone crazy. A man one might as well be a dead leaf floating in the autumn breeze. He's laying in piles of corpses. That's how you kick off a novel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we can learn a lot. We can always learn a lot from the past. 
And, you know, speaking of learning things. Sure. Is there anything that you could teach us quickly about if anyone wants to learn how to support this podcast? Yeah, of course. When you say quickly, you want me to just talk in a fast pace or keep it short? Or both? Dang. A little bit of both. I'm not trying to truncate, right. you know, your that, gig. You, you don't want me to rush, per se. I don't want you to rush, but I don't want to be here much don't, longer. Don't dilly-dally. <laughs> yes, I got you. All right, well, let's talk about on it. I feel that's the best way to start. I went to Hawaii. Yeah, story. That's right. I went to Hawaii. I went to Kauai. Forgot my krill oil. Ooh. Rough deal. It's warm over there, so not too bad. And a lot of the work. Outs I was doing were pretty like light, mm-hmm. so it was less of a factor. But when I came home next day, I walked downstairs strangely because in Hawaii you do a lot of you know walking on the beach, yeah. all this stuff. I'm dragging my kids around in this wagon, so it's weird. Your feet get a workout, so I'm walking down the stairs today. And I'm like, oh, my feet were all stiff. Anyway, no krill oil. Boom, back on the krill oil, back home, all good. So, point there being. Don't stop taking your krill yeah. oil. You will feel it. Look, it's not a detrimental thing. Well, for me, it's not. I don't know. I can't speak for everybody. It could be detrimental if you stop. You know, like your joints being stiff all of a I, sudden. I think it's detrimental. Might affect other people more than others. To your feet, apparently. Right, yeah, yeah. In my case, for sure. Uh, krill oil is for your joints. I get mine at Onnit. Jocko get his, gets his at Onnit. Onnit is the most reputable place to get it. Omega-3 is for your joints. Also... What else do we need to get after it? If you're going high intensity, if you're going high performance for yourself, I'm not saying Olympic athlete necessarily. I'm not saying not Olympic athlete necessarily. <laughs> Shroom tech sport yep. keeps you in the, the yellow and the green. It, do, it doesn't allow you to go in the red. That's how it feels. That's my best way to sum it up. Like if you have another round, let's say you're on your last set of like, I don't know, jujitsu or something mm-hmm. hard. Or you're doing circuit training, you got to do one more round. This one will will get you there without going into the red. It's called Shroom Tech Sport. Do it. Let's you uh, utilize your oxygen consumption into your muscles better, more efficiently. It's way better. Also, you know, a good way to do that is when you breathe with your diaphragm. From what I read, you uptake 10% more oxygen. Hmm. Remember that next time you're breathing. I don't need to breathe. <laughs> <laughs> also, you know, breathing exercise. I thought breathing exercises were like, oh, these yogis. They're just doing breathing exercises. You know, like I know how to breathe. I was breathing when I was born. Mm-hmm. I know how to breathe. 30 something, some odd years of breathing experience. I know. But those. I was an experienced breather. Yeah, very experienced. Very, and holding my breath. I'm all that stuff. Mm. You know? Well, you're from Kauai. Hey, man. You know, you got to jump in the water every once in a while, swim underneath it. Anyway. When you breathe, those muscles, that, you know what I mean, that help you breathe in your, you know, your ribs and your diaphragm, like if those are strong, you can breathe better. True. I'm just saying that's don't neglect that. So the breathing exercise, people, respect. But chemically, if you want, you know, better oxygen uptake, Shroom Tech Sport, that's the one. Krill oil, alpha brain for your brain. I can't go into the neuroscience of it right now but you can if you want just go to the website on it.com and if you want 10% off of any of this stuff go on it.com slash Jocko now don't think that 
Alpha Brain, Shroom Tech Sport, and Krill Oil are the only things on there because there's, I, I'm tempted to say literally. I don't really overuse the word literally, do I? No, you don't. Yeah. Approved. Usage yeah. approved. So I'm going to say borderline literally there's stuff for anything on there. Like if you need supplementation for something, there's even workout equipment on there. Like good stuff too. I don't think you'll find like a like dumbbells though. No, there's no dumbbells. Because that's not, re- you know. You can get dumbbells anywhere. Yes. Go to Amazon for dumbbells. And speaking of, of Amazon, Amazon. <laughs> actually, just so I'm clear, though, if you want 10% off this stuff, there there is a lot of cool stuff. They even have normal like workout stuff, but the cooler version of it. Like how I always mention the, the kettlebells. Kettlebells are cool in and of themselves. And beyond the coolness, they're, they're one of the best exercise equipment. Equipments. Pieces of equipment? Pieces of equipment. Exactly right. I'm here for you. Bro, I did, um, he's called clean and press, yeah, right? clean With the and kettlebells? press, yes. Yes. So Unless you use your legs, con- then it's a jerk. All right. Yeah. They split. Okay. So, boom. Clean, press. And then boom, right to burpees. So I go f- six and five, six and five. Metcon, just go eight minutes. Boom. Many as you can. I I wasn't focusing on as many as I can. I I was trying to go for like seven sets. Oh, okay. I, I lost count of the sets. It was the first time I was doing it. My son, he's nine months old, by the way. He's crawling around. I can't be flying the kettlebells and landing on his anything no really. not anything yeah no There's you don't no want safe even, landing on the no. baby with the kettlebells <laughs> exactly right. So I lost. Nonetheless, the point is I lost count. When I was done, eight minutes, 30-something. That's what it was. Cool. Good workout. Metcon. Boom. Anyway, so if you do kettlebells, go to Onnit, look at their kettlebells. Tell me what you think. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Anyway, onnit.com slash Jocko. Get 10% off on there. Back to Amazon. Amazon, click through. If you like these books, what is this? Musashi, of course. Yeah. Musashi, Book of Five Rings. Yeah. And Musashi, the novel by E.G. Yoshikawa. Yeah. Yeah. And what that has to do with Amazon is we have all these books listed on our website in the books section. Top menu books on the podcast. Click there. They're in order. By episode. Click on there. Take you to Amazon. The Amazon link. Boom. You get the book. That supports the podcast. And, you know, any other shopping you may or may not want to do. Boom. Click through the link. You're good to go as far as support goes. Small action. Huge reaction. <laughs> I know. I haven't said it in a while. I'm going to say it. What else is there? Small action, huge reaction, chemically, physical change, chemical change. Tell me. Are you asking me? Yes. I'm not going to answer you. Just saying. All right. Well, I know you know, and everyone else may or may not know, but if you don't, the answer is sodium metal. When you put it in water, it's a small piece of sodium. I learned this in 10th grade chemistry. Put it in, in water. See what happens. Explodes. Same thing. When you click through, uh, you know, the website for your Amazon stuff, the books or whatever, duct tape, all that stuff. Also, good way to support, subscribe to the podcast. That's on all of these things. iTunes, of course, Stitcher, Google Play, all the podcasting providing platforms. Subscribe. Good way to support. Leave a review. Reviews are good. Yeah. Appreciate the reviews. Yeah, very much so. It's fun. Like when, and I don't get bored, but when I'm compelled to read the reviews, it can be very fun to read. I probably read yours if you left one. So thanks I for did that. read yours. If anyone that's left a review, I've read it. 
Dang. Yeah. I, yeah. I think it was like 1300 <laughs> or something, 1400. Yeah. But I didn't read them all at once. I read them like once every three, four days. Or if I'm getting ready to record the podcast, I'll, I'll go on there and see if there's any see what points yeah. I need to take into account. Yeah. The good thing about, and these are iTunes reviews, yes, right? You're are. reading. Yeah. Yeah, the good thing about iTunes re- reviews are they're like quality. And I don't mean like, oh, all necessarily good or, or whatever. I think quality, like you can tell someone's like, okay, here's my review. Here's my legit review. Yeah. Even if they're getting and, nuts with the review. And you're actually helping too because when you write a review and you kind of let people know what's up with it, what's up with the podcast, then they, then they go, oh, this sounds like something I should listen to. If they listen to it, maybe they'll get something out of it. It spreads the word. So it does help. Yeah, and let's face it, you get more people following any of these discipline equals freedom you know making the world a better place straight up let's face it you get a room (laughs) of 10 people you get one guy exhibiting extreme extreme ownership and then you get another room same 10 or another 10 people you got 10 guys exhibiting extreme ownership what room's better the 10 extreme ownership room just saying so that could be you when you leave a review and it affects someone else boom so yeah, subscribe. Um, also, you can subscribe on YouTube if you are interested in the video version of this podcast. You want to see what Jocko looks like if you don't know already, and you can see what I look like, which you probably don't know. I look different than I sound, apparently. Anyway, that's on YouTube. Uh, also, some excerpts on there, right? Providing small Jocko McNuggets of value, <laughs> so you don't have to share the whole two two and a half hour thing. You know, with your friend, if you if you like a concept, you can just share the uh, you know the two minute excerpt, three minute, whatever you know, shareable, so they can watch it and then go to work rather than be late for work after listening to two hours, potentially. Also, Jocko has a store. It's called Jocko Store. JockoStore.com. No haiku there. If you are interested in what T-shirts, rash guards. We're coming out with some hats here pretty soon. Mm. I can't wait to get a hat. Yeah, the hats. The hats are good, though. Real good. Of course. Yeah. They best be. Yeah. <laughs> some travel mugs on there. Good travel mugs. That, you know, they, they insulate the heat. Apparently, that's not like a new thing. No, I know. You were amazed by it. I, I'm still thing. amazed by it, yeah. even though I know it's not that new of a thing. You know. I could I could easily tell you the story about the ice water I had that lasted till the next day the ice was still in there. I could easily tell you that. I'm not gonna waste your time today. <laughs> Nonetheless, when you have it, boom, keeps the heat in there for like eight hours. And it looks dope, black on black. Women stuff on there. Shirts, of course. Jocko's face saying good. If you have so the good video. A lot of people have seen that video. Mm-hmm. You know? Joe Rogan says good things about that video. So people have watched that video. So essentially that shirt is that video personified in a shirt. Here's a little tip. I've said it before, but sometimes people miss this part of it. The good on the bottom is written backwards. You know why? Because it's for you when you look in the mirror. That's not that message is not for everyone else looking at your shirt. That's what Jocko's face is for. Jocko's face is also for you. When you look in the mirror, he's telling you good, you know, good will come out of your situation. I went to my eight year old daughter's classroom and answered questions as an author about Way of the Warrior Kid. And they had read the Way of the Warrior Kid in the classroom. And I gave out 
I had bookmarks. We have uh, the publisher made bookmarks that say Way of the Warrior Kid on one side, you know, it's got Mark doing a pull up. Sure. The other side is the advertisement for Discipline Equals Freedom Field Manual. Oh. And that's got my face on it, like the good face. Sure. Iconic. And, and so we handed those out, and one of the kids came up to me and says, You look creepy in this picture. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, I yeah. said, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I would say I see what he's getting at. I don't think he looked creepy. Well, it's an did. iconic. <laughs> he did apparently. Hey, man. Yes. Yeah, Are you allowed it. to say it's an iconic picture because you took the picture? Isn't uh, that kind of? I guess technically, yeah, I'm allowed to say that, but that is not why I say it. Okay. I say it because you I believe feel, it. I believe it is <laughs> iconic. Uh, maybe to maybe. the point, bro. That, I think that that sugar. Maybe what? for you and me sitting in this room, it's a pretty iconic <laughs> yeah, picture. It is. There's I think a, so. If we discount the rest of the universe and world, sure. then maybe we don't quite need that. Yeah, they're thinking like of iconic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm stretching the term. I don't know. It's like uh, when I went to Kauai, that was the shirt that I wore the most. Mm. I think that one and the Jody Midic podcast shirt. Oh, nice. They're both the same color too, by the way. Yeah. So, yeah. Props. Yeah, man. So yeah, jockostore.com. See see what shirt you like. If you like any of the shirt. I'm not saying to buy the, buy a shirt or a rash car. I'm not saying that. I'm saying go to jockostore.com. Take a look. If you like something, get something. That supports the podcast and supports yourself. You know, you get a cool shirt and or a rash card. That's it. Also, psychological warfare. If you don't know what that is, which I know many people do, but... In the event of you not knowing in this case, Psychological Warfare is an album with tracks that is available on iTunes and Amazon Music and these places where you can buy MP3s and albums and stuff like that. Digital music, if you will. But this isn't music. It's Jocko. Each track is Jocko telling you why. Pragmatically, by the way, you should not succumb to weakness in your journey. Yeah, your we're, we're doing journey, right? Towards, you're doing journey more so than me. Yeah, but we'll go with it. It's your, yeah, it's your part here. Yeah, in your <laughs> <laughs> go with the flow, <laughs> flow with the go. Yeah, well, in your journey in getting after it in general, you're waking up early in the morning. I know that's not easy to do every single day. You're you know sticking to the diet, especially at work. You know when they bring those donuts, right? We understand. Yeah. When you get those moments of weakness that you're going to start slacking, even just for one moment, you listen to one of these tracks, the appropriate track, and you will, and I'll say this 100% with 100% certainty, you will not slack. You will wake up and you will continue. There it is. It's like a little spot. Also, you can get Jocko White Tea on Amazon. Here is a verified purchase review. Okay, Ver- so this person, this is verified. Yeah. Right, verified. Yeah. The, the, do you understand what that Wait, means? Wait, a ver- verified person on Amazon? A, a person, this is a verified review of a person that actually bought and this is what happened. Boom. I'm an employee of Newport News Shipbuilding. We build aircraft carriers and submarines for the Navy. Since consuming Jocka White Tea, production has increased substantially. We've subsequently delivered two nuclear aircraft carriers and three nuclear subs to the Navy. While I won't argue that correlation equals causation, I won't say it's a coincidence either. Get some. <laughs> so, you know, we're talking, you know, take, normally it takes 
years you know four or five years to build an aircraft carrier now they're apparently knocking them out in 60 days <laughs> no factor and again that's a verified purchase review way the warrior kid it is also available wherever you buy books and that one I got another verified purchase review there if you're looking for a book for your kids with a solid message about how to approach life this is it the impact is had on my kids it was immediate they asked me if they could do the same things that the kid does in his with his uncle in the book the best part is that they're asking to become more active training harder at jujitsu asked about healthier choices for meals and picking up a book instead of playing video games it makes a huge difference when they are the ones making the choice instead of me making that choice for them if your kids read just one book this year this is the one pretty awesome that's makes me uh super stoked when i hear that kids are picking up books instead of playing video games so that's way the warrior kid also we're actually getting into the red zone on discipline equals freedom field manual i'm finishing the final edits you know this is sort of like my book of five rings (laughs) <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, Musashi yeah. wrote that. Now I'm not on my deathbed yet, hopefully. No. No, no. But this is what I think. This is what I do. These are the thoughts, actions, words of my life. What I work out. This is how I work out. What food I eat. Recovery. Martial arts. This is it. Comes out October 17th. The cover is done. There's a new cover. They well, they finished the cover, and people were worried because the original cover that they put up is is just a black cover with it says discipline equals freedom field manual by Jocko Willink that was the original cover sure that I designed and told them to post which they did mm-hmm. and then there's been one little addition to that sure <laughs> you <can> check it <laughs> out because some people they because they had originally they had a sticker on there that said cover not final meaning that people were thinking oh they're gonna they're gonna make it all stupid all salesy <laughs> or whatever but there was mm-hmm. A little addition made to that cover you can check it out iconic possibly <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe if if you be, really bend and stretch that word you might be getting there of course extreme ownership that's the other book available right now obviously where it started here combat leadership applied to the battlefield to business and to life boom get it also if you need support training and transforming your leadership team wherever you are at your business your corporation wherever you are contact us leadership and management consulting info at echelonfront.com also the muster austin texas july 13th and 14th omni barton creek resort now what's cool about this is it's basically an enclosed environment when you're in san diego you know you can go out you can get around Mm-hmm. The Omni Barton Creek is a little bit outside of town, mm-hmm. so it's going to be just us there. It's not that huge, mm. so it's going to be us. It's going to be we're going to overrun the place with troopers, and it'll be great. The one thing that's not so great is there's only 300 seats. I think we got about 40 or 50 seats left for the Austin Muster. So register ASAP. There's no room for expansion in New York. We sold out 350. We expanded the room to 400. We expanded it to 450. It rearranged chairs. There's no room to do that in Austin. So I apologize. If you want to come to Austin or if you're in Austin or if you're in Texas or wherever you're at, you want to come to that one, do it quick. www.extremeownership.com. And if it sells out before you get a seat, 
come to San Diego September 14th and 15th muster 004 at the Omni Hotel right in downtown San Diego and in the meantime if you are looking to connect with us you can find us straight up cruising hard extra hard extra hard on the interwebs on Twitter on Instagram and on the Facebook echo is at echo Charles and I am at Jocko Willink and thanks to everyone for listening for joining us for supporting us for subscribing and for spreading the word and to the military personnel out there going into harm's way modern day samurai warriors protecting our modern day kingdom thank you and the police law enforcement firefighters EMTs first responders thanks for being there when we call you and to the rest of you out there doing what you do but instead of just doing it doing it like Musashi like a warrior excelling in anything and everything you do out there getting after it so until next time this is echo and jocko out.